get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman with you on this Friday morning here in St. Louis. Good morning, Dan. We, it's Friday. We made it. We made it. Here it is. Friday morning. The Blues are playing well. That was a fun game last night. And a uh, young man that made his major league debut, which was awesome to see. And he picks up a win. He picks up an assist. And uh, if you're a Blues fan this morning, you're feeling pretty good. Because out on the uh, West Coast, the Blues have taken, uh, well, picked up three out of possible four points. Absolutely. So the Blues playing back-to-back nights. They lost to the Kings on Wednesday night um, in a shootout. A little bit of extra time for Jordan Bennington. So as Dan mentioned, Joel Hofer making his debut, his NHL debut for the Blues. The Blues end up getting the win 5-3 five, five to three, and a lot to unpack in this game, Dan. But let's start right there with Joel Hofer. The 21-year-old, he, he might have had a little bit of anticipation knowing this was coming, looking at the schedule, knowing that the Blues went into a shootout the night before. But he spoke last night after the game about when he found out that he was indeed going to get his NHL debut last night. Yeah, I uh, found out this morning, so... Um, there's obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of emotions, uh, you know, going through my head. But uh, yeah, it's obviously super special. You dream of it, you know, your whole life, and uh, you know, you know, to get the win, uh, you know, in the first game too. It, uh, it's just a cherry on top. It is the cherry on top for him to get the win too in his NHL debut. But Dan, these these kids, 21 years old, and you've already achieved your dream. Obviously, you hope that there's a long career ahead of you. But to think that you have checked that off your bucket list by the time you're 21 years old, not only made your NHL debut, but you secure the win is pretty cool. Yeah. And he picks up an assist. So a win, yeah, assist, right. a, major, uh, a National Hockey League debut. Um, and the Blues now 7-1-1. One, and 5-3 one, and to three was the final last night. I, I kind of look at the game as being... Um, Maybe the the Doug Armstrong game or the New Faces game. I the mean, newcomers game. yeah. I mean, you had Brandon Sod giving you a couple of goals. You had uh, Butchnevich give you a goal. James Neal gave you a goal to make it four to three. The only one that wasn't from somebody that we were familiar with from a year ago uh, was Robert Thomas, who was all over the puck and had. I mean, he had so many opportunities last night, and the one that he finally gets is the empty netter. But uh, back to the goalie, Joel. Uh, Hofer, I, there was a five on three in that first period, and he's getting peppered. And maybe that was the best thing for him is to just get thrown into the fire, which he was, you know, generally speaking, in just making the start. But then facing a five on three, and San Jose was buzzing, and he was he was up to the task. And and maybe that was a good thing for him. I mean, just sometimes with young players in any sport, just just go do it. I mean, just don't think about it. Just go be thrown into the fire he was and the Blues, I think, kind of regrouped after that. You know, he it allowed him to get settled in, but then just you could see the team. It was just a different mm-hmm. thing for them, too, just to kind of say, okay, we can relax, play in front of them, and they did, and they win the game, and to me, Michelle, they're taking care of business on some of the games that they should be, and that's that's one that you should win last night, and they did. Especially when San Jose is so decimated by by COVID, there's a lot of their players out. But there's a, Dan, Dan mentioned it. There was a lot of penalties in the first period. Buchnevich was called for boarding. Tarasenko got an unsportsmanlike conduct call. Ivan Barbashev was then called for a double minor for high staking. The Blues ended up rallying to win five to three. Craig Berube talked after the game about the Blues overcoming those early penalty struggles. Craig, you guys were in the box for nearly five minutes straight, including a minute of 
five on three. How huge was it getting out of all that with a, with a tie game? <clears throat> no, it was obviously really huge. thought the PK was excellent tonight. You know, that's a lot of killing to start a game, but just they did an excellent job of um, obviously doing it, you know, killing it off and, um, you know, just battling through it all. And then, you know, once we got settled in, I thought we played a pretty good hockey game. After that first period, there was a lot of activity in the second as well. So the Sharks were leading 2-1 to one heading into the second period. You mentioned Pavel Buchnevich getting a goal to tie it at 2. The Sharks take the lead 3-2, to two, but then Brandon Saad comes in again. This is his second game coming off the COVID list, and he had the equalizer. Back loose up to the red line. Perron to Thomas over the line. Saad, he scores! It hits off the far post and goes in. And Brandon Saad has two in the game. We're tied 3-3. 11.51 to go, second period. And whether it's Buchnevich or Saad, now that they're back on the ice, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of calibration for these guys. They fit really well within this team and the system. Well, I, I love what I saw yesterday, finally, five on five. The first period, we saw um, a power play goal by Burns that was for San Jose to make it one to nothing. Then Saad, the shorthanded goal. Then San Jose comes back with a shorthanded goal. But then what we talked about yesterday with John Kelly and others is five on five and kind of getting the traffic in front and getting some um, of those types of goals. And we got that from James Neal towards the end of the period of the second period of of the Blues and the Sharks last night. So five on five uh, makes a difference for this team, clearly. And uh, Bujnevich, Saad, two of them, Neal, and the Blues win it. And it's uh, a great start. I mean, I, I just don't think you can could draw up a better start to be seven one and one when you you've had you've been hit with COVID a little bit mm-hmm. and certainly you, you notice that Ryan O'Reilly is not on the ice. I mean you you definitely notice when he's not there and we've gotten so accustomed to watching him and there's hope that he could return this weekend in Anaheim. But uh tell you what, I mean seven one and one, I think you'd take it if you're a blues fan. Yeah, you're looking at the depth of this team, you're looking at the resiliency of this team and they're winning in different ways every night, which is what I think impresses me. But as we mentioned Brandon Saad was on the COVID list, his second game back. How did he feel after a game like last night? Yeah, for sure. You know, anytime you come to a new team and new systems, um, different players, obviously it takes a little time, but uh, I think we've done a good job of just trying to stick with it and get better every game. Obviously, like you said, we missed some time, but um, that, that's that's going to happen throughout the year, and I, I think just taking advantage when you are playing. Not only is he on a new team, Dan, but missing four games, that's hard to get back up to game speed, but he doesn't seem like he's missed a beat. No, and and it's a guy, though, I guess we should anticipate is going to put the buck in the back of the net because he's got 15 goals in 44 games last year. He's a five-time 20-goal scorer. So already sod now with his uh, third after even missing that time. He had two last night, and uh, and the Blues are rolling. Now, the concern, I think, going forward is that you're going to get, and it's a good thing, that you're going to get Ryan O'Reilly back uh, this Sunday. But then Braden Shen had nine shifts in the first period, and then we did not see him after that. They're calling it an upper body injury, and I'm sure we'll find out more about that this weekend. But that's uh, certainly a player that you miss desperately at times, even when more so when guys like O'Reilly are out and others. So it stands out, but hopefully he's going to be all right and see him back sooner than later. It's amazing that the Blues are off to this start, Dan, but it does seem like they can't really catch a break. I know a lot of other teams are dealing with COVID issues as well, but the Blues have 
one thing after another, and here they are sitting here with this great start. I, I would say the break, though, came um, when you're opening up the season and there's no McKinnon. Yes. And, you know, some of the guys that they've they've had been fortunate enough to miss because whether it was COVID, uh, whether it was an injury or whatever, but hey, that's that's hockey. I mean, the, these teams are, are missing Ryan O'Reilly when they're on the other side and facing the Blues. But you know, that's why these games are so important to get these points. L.A. You've already faced them three times. Uh, looking at this this team last night with San Jose, with so many of the guys out, got to win those games. So it's part of the sport right now and dealing with COVID and players being out. But uh, the Blues are weathering the storm. Yes, they are. And as Dan mentioned, the Blues versus the Ducks this Sunday pregame here. On 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario starting at 6 p.m. We have a loaded show for you today. We are going to speak to SLU Athletic Director Chris May. Joy Vitale is going to join us to talk about the Blues win last night. Jay Delsing is going to join us at 845. Really looking forward to speaking to Jay and talking to him about the President's Cup coming to St. Louis, Dan, because I'm sure Jay has great insight into what this is going to mean for the sports scene here in St. Louis and the golf scene as well. Yeah, and, and probably be able to shed some light on how this is not a normal golf event and the festive atmosphere and and players that are representing their countries and the crowds get into it. I mean, it's it's different. It's just a different event and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, he has to say. He was at the the announcement the other day, so uh, good to see Jay there and uh, Jay Williamson was as well, who are great golfers from our area, so let's get their uh, thoughts on what's happening with this uh, particular event coming to St. Louis. And in the 9 o'clock hour, a big game on deck for Mizzou this weekend. Mizzou versus the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. We're going to talk to Luke Griffin, an offensive lineman from Mizzou. He's actually a Georgia native, Dan. And so not only is this an important game from a scheduling standpoint, but he's going home. He's going to have a lot of friends and family in the crowd. So we're going to talk to Luke about that. Did you ask Luke if uh, the Tigers are going to cover? I did not, but I should have. We actually spoke with him yesterday. It's pre-recorded, but I should have asked him. That was my bad. Okay. Sorry about that. I mean, it's like, I don't know, 38 and a half, 39. They're number one in the country. Hey, Luke, you think you guys can cover? Get a little running game? Can anybody tackle? I'll look forward to that. I'll, I'll listen who's your, in. Who's your quarterback going to be? Yeah. <laughs> Any insight there? Yeah. Let him rip. <laughs> right. All right. Well, coming up next here on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We're going to talk about the highs and the lows of the week. It's Peak and Pit with Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> in the morning. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman with you on this Friday morning on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for our peak and pit of the week. Dan, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, ladies first. Okay. Dan, I wasn't here last Thursday and Friday. I was in New York City. and I, I was here with Randy. You were here yeah. with Randy, and thank you for that. But I missed all of the conversations regarding the Seth Wickersham piece on Stan Kroenke and the owners' meetings and all of the infighting. So I've really got to relive that this week with the additional information that's come out. We spoke to Dan Wallach of Conduct, to Conduct Detrimental, and it's really my peak of many weeks 
to continue to watch this lawsuit unfold, I really like that the NFL owners are in a bad position and that they're squirming and that Stan Kroenke has turned on them the way he turned on St. Louis. And it's just very entertaining for me to sit back and watch all of this unfold. So I'd have to say that that's my peak. I love it. Uh, Yeah, I would say that that would um, probably be top of my list. I think it might have been my peak last week when I was doing this. So now you're catching up and (laughs) hearing about it. And there is just it just seems like every day something come out, you know, is coming out with this. Although I think from the the legal standpoint, I mean, they've exhausted just about all options to where now this thing is on a you know, collision course with what I think January 10th, which would be the trial date unless they settle prior to then. So yeah, get your popcorn. It's going to be fun. And we have Thanksgiving right around the corner. Then it's Christmas and yeah. it's New Year's. The holiday season always goes by in the blink of an eye. So before we know it, we're at the trial. Absolutely. It's going to be great. And I would say uh, my pit, Dan, is coming back from vacation. You need a vacation when you come back from vacation. Uh, this morning I'm leaving the house. There's still that pile of laundry in the laundry room that needs to get done from the trip. Still haven't fully gone grocery shopping. Still haven't fully responded to all the emails that I need to. Whenever you're on a trip, it takes you so long to get back to normal. So you need a vacation from the vacation. Basically. So how many many days does it take to regroup for you? I would say after this weekend where I'm going to just do nothing but get back to normal. Yeah. So probably a full seven days, I'd say. That's a thing. I mean, you get back to normal, get back on a sleep uh, schedule. Yeah. You're off and running. All right. My peak is uh, Joel Hofer last night. I mean, I just love seeing debuts in sports. I think it's awesome. Good, bad, and different. Now, I don't like to see like what we saw with Roel Ramirez a couple (laughs) years ago in Chicago when he gave up the four consecutive home runs in a major league debut. That's it's a little tough to watch, but I just always remember him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You definitely don't forget that one. Um, I just love seeing, you know, athletes that have worked their entire lives to get to that point. And granted, he's 21 years old. He's a young kid. But um, at any point when they're making a debut, I just think it's cool. And then you add in a, you know, you figure out how to win the game and he did and Lo and behold, you pick up an assist and you do it on the road. It's a pretty good debut. Um, my pit is that the baseball season is over. And it's kind of a two-prong thing here when I think about uh, the season being over. I, d- I don't want to see it over because I just love watching baseball and I, I think it's great. But um, And now the, the focus is on the CBA. Yeah. And I just eh, don't rather not be talking about that. I'd rather see... Uh, us talking about free agents, which I know we're going to do in our third segment and see of this hour and, and maybe later in the show just to see if there's somebody that would interest a fan, yourself, me, or the Cardinals. But um, yeah, I, I just don't like seeing baseball over. It means it's going to get cold. I know. You know. All right, I can move on. And having the Braves go on that special run and watch them win yeah. and extinguish a curse, a lot of people think Atlanta was cursed, is so great. And you end the season on such a high note, especially them beating the Astros, which a lot of people were hoping would happen because yeah. they have a lot of negative feelings about the Astros. So you should go into the winter with warm, fuzzy feelings about baseball, looking forward to spring training. But instead, there's going to be all this infighting and things are going to get ugly. I, I think... The one thing I take away from it, though, I don't know if you get this feeling, is like I do think they're going to come to an agreement and we'll get a full season and hopefully we get a full spring training. But I I think both sides just understand what's at stake. Mm -hmm. So from the people I talk to, it's like, yeah, we may have a lockout. There may be a work stoppage, which is not good. Not good when you're trying to sell tickets and trying to sell hope and trying to sell your incoming free agent if you sign one. But 
the big picture is you're going to have baseball next year. I just I don't like to hear about it just because I think it's bad for the casual any fan really out there. They don't want to hear that stuff. No, they so. don't. That's that's the one thing I don't like about it. All right, let's get to your text on the air cover service text line 65780. Emily, what do you have? Peak from the 314 Peak fell asleep listening to Danny Mac on Blues Post Game. Wake up to Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. <laughs> and Pitt, Danny Mac probably rolling on four hours of sleep. Hashtag Superman. Well, it was a quick turnaround. I'll, I'll give you that one. No one is a gamer like Dan. Well, I've got to tell you, Dan works harder than anyone I've ever met in my entire life. Hey, here's the deal, Michelle. When you had four kids in three <laughs> and a half years, you don't sleep anyway. So then you just like, ah, the hell with it. What's the what's not that big a deal? You show up, you talk. You know, it's a fun job. I'm sure once your children were born, your sleep did go out the window. So, oh yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine. You had four kids. How? Uh, they're close in age, right? Your kids. So we had four and three and a half years. Four and three and a half years. So you yeah. didn't sleep for quite some time. And so people are probably doing the math and going, "No, Dandy didn't." Well, we had twins. They had twins. So, yeah. That's how that works. That's how we do. You had newborn twins. And that's how we did. And two little kids. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now I know why you're, you say your house is a gong show. Uh, it's a total gong show. <laughs> it's craziness. It sounds like so much fun, though. Uh, most times. So, it, like, you know. A lot three, of energy. You know, basically three o'clock every day. It's uh, we're just shuttling people back and forth and. Like uh, my wife said, she goes, you know, we're not a normal family. We don't have family dinners. We just, we just survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how could you have time for family dinners? I'm sure you have practice, homework, all that stuff. We don't. I think the last one we had, uh, Easter maybe, maybe. No, I wasn't even there, I don't think. Christmas maybe. Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah, we're going to do one for Thanksgiving. I can't wait. This is going to be a fun Thanksgiving because I get to be back. All of our families coming together. Amazing. We haven't been able to do that, so that'll be cool. That is cool. Yeah. From the 618 peak, my son's 10th birthday, pit cold weather approaching. Well, happy birthday to your son. Yeah. Certainly a peak. And I'm with you on the cold weather. This morning, I went to let my dog out, and it's like, oh, this is the worst. I thought it was actually better this morning than it was yesterday. Oh, yeah, it was much colder yesterday. Was it? Okay, so. Or maybe I was just conditioned to it by this morning. But even then, so. today, you know what it was? Today was the day where I walked outside and I thought, I'm going to be miserable for the next four or five months. You know this what? This is just what it's going to be. Um, I'm accepting I look, it. I, it, it. You know, when we get into January or in February and you have a day like today, you go, man, it's going to start getting warm again. And now we're like, oh, no, it's cold. That's how we adjust. That's how we roll. Yeah. From the 636 peak, baseball is over and hockey is here. Pitt waiting two more months until relocation trial. Well, at least we do have hockey. That's true. Blues hockey off to a great start. Very entertaining. And I know waiting two more months for the relocation trial is going to be tough. But the good news about that is there's a steady stream of developments happening. Mm -hmm. This is not the end. You're not going to go radio silent on this lawsuit until the trial. There are so many different aspects of this. Like the Seth Wickersham article to me, the, the the point of the infighting at the owners meeting, or at least that set the table for it to where like John Mara coming out, or John Mara of the Giants coming out and saying, well, if I would have known I'm on the hook for this, there's no way I would have, uh, you know, no way we would have voted for St. Louis to leave. And so let's just say you're getting closer and 
the lawyers of the NFL are going to be up front and say, okay, well, here's here's what we could owe, and here's what we could be in punitive damages. And, uh, and there are reports, by the way, Michelle, that I've read that have said, I mean, one guy that's pretty locked into owners said, okay, this could be his... Um, the, the the least amount would be eight billion, and the most would be twelve. 12. So, you know, you're going to have some people saying, "How do we settle this? How do we get out of this?" Um, does the other side, the St. Louis side, even have an appetite to do that? Knowing what they have and how they've won at just about every turn of this thing, and probably so much ready to go for this trial. I, I yeah, I, I think it's the next couple of months are just going to be fascinating to see. Can they settle? Do they want to settle? And you're going to start hearing more and more about the infighting of the owners, I'm sure, and saying, I don't want to be part of this. It's going to get it's going to get interesting. There's no question. You know, when you're watching a TV show or a movie and you can kind of anticipate what's building, you know that you, something's going to happen. I cannot wait, Dan and Emily for Jerry Jones to turn on Stan Kroenke because that's coming. He played him to get what he wants, which is a team in L.A., and more importantly, with Legends, he is making a lot of money off of off of SoFi, off of Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Jerry Jones is pocketing all of this money. He orchestrated all of this and is reaping so many benefits. And let's be honest, Jerry Jones gets a lot of the credit for bringing the NFL back to L.A., and as soon as Stan Kroenke does not serve him anymore, which is probably going to happen here shortly if Stan is trying to get out of the indemnification clause, Jerry is going to turn on him. And Stan's going to realize that Jerry Jones did not care about him. They're not boys. He doesn't have a seat at the cool table. That he got played. Yeah. Well, I, I don't understand the inner workings of how that happened with Jerry being able to get that kind of deal. But I do wonder, like, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, Stan's the one fronting the stadium. Stan's the one that's paying the relocation fee. Stan's the one that's doing the various things that are going to cost him a lot of money and already has a ton of money. Um, and yet Jerry has got a piece on this whole thing. I, I just I don't quite understand it all. I'm sure it makes sense if you're in that high level of being smart. And I guess I'm just not part of the smart guys group, but I just don't get it. And I'm with you. I, I you know, apparently in that the, the owners meeting recently, it was Jerry who was standing up for Stan. But how long does that last? And who's really in that group? Mm-hmm. Again, I, there's other owners that got to be sitting there saying, why am I a part of this? You know, deep down, I didn't either one, I didn't vote for it or deep down, I didn't really like it anyway. And three, if I didn't, if I re, if I would have realized I'm on the hook for some of this stuff, no way. They had to essentially whip the votes. Most people were in on the Carson project because you solved two problems in California. And Jerry helped whip the votes in Stan's favor. Well, Jerry said, okay. In his own favor. Yeah, (laughs) if you're not a majority owner or if you're not the owner of the team in that relocation uh, meeting in Houston when it all happened, get out of here. And he ordered a bunch of beer and liquor and and said, we're not leaving until we get in L.A. There you go. Yeah. All right, we can get to one more real quick from the 636 pit. Liberty Eagles getting eliminated from high school postseason football last Saturday. But Peak going to Jefferson City to watch our nephew and Kirksville Tigers continue their postseason. Awesome. Go Kirksville. I don't know if I want to say it's a peak that a high school team. I get it. I mean, that's your rival and stuff. But I'd like to see the kids advance. I don't like to see the seniors. It all comes to an end. so tough. Am I too sappy here? I'm being too soft in my old age here or what? I like to see him play. 
Well, that, yeah, that's what they're saying. The pit was them getting eliminated. That they're. I, I don't know if this is that's their school. Okay, sorry, yeah, I, I, I misunderstood. No, you. I don't want to see people get eliminated. Yeah, it's a pit. Yeah, it's a pit for sure. But then again, I don't want you know participation trophies either. So maybe I need to grow up. It's kind of amazing how we feel that way about high school kids, but when it comes to colleges, we're like, lose. Yeah. I will totally relish in certain programs That's losing. grown men and women. The hell with them. <laughs> These are kids. That's right. Now, it is fun. I, I do enjoy um, the high school football championships. Mm-hmm. Do you watch them? Sometimes. You get into it? Oh, yeah. I do. I think it's fun. It goes back to like these kids that have worked for four years so hard. And now, I mean, hell, if you're a kid that plays high school football, soccer, all this stuff, I mean, you're all in as a little guy and little girl and like all the specialization of it. When did it become um, to where when you play high or you, you're uh, a high school athlete? Like to me, I don't know if it was like this for you guys. It was to play for my high school. Yeah. And play with your friends, play for your school. Play for, but a lot of that is being eliminated in certain sports. That's sad. I don't like that. Why? Because everyone thinks that they're going to make it to the league, and they have all of these specialty coaches, and it's it's more competitive. Because it's not that it wasn't competitive back then. It was just, I guess, you you put your. I don't even know what the word that I'm looking for. Your priorities were different, maybe? I think if you're a good enough player and you play with the highest level of competition, you you may not find that at the elite level of certain sports in high school. Not all, but certain. So, I don't know. I, I just think there's something, there's value to representing your high school when you play a sport. Also, I think a lot of kids now... When we were in high school, a lot of my friends used to play multiple sports. Right. And I think oh, a lot of kids now, now. Are, are picking one singular sport and they're really honing in on that craft. That's what I did. I was no good, but I played. <laughs> <laughs> they, they allowed me to play and be out there. Um, but I'm with you. Yeah, it's tough for those kids to, to play multiple sports. It just doesn't happen. So, all right. Good luck to all the uh, fall sports uh, that are still alive and competing. That's right. Kirksville, right, Emily? You got it. Yes, Kirksville Tigers. All right, Emily, thank you. Thank you. And that's Emma McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, this was a segment Taylor made for Danny Mac because Dan coined the amazing phrase <laughs> I.O., which means going go I.O., dog. Instagram official. He gives Randy Carricker a hard time because Randy and his lovely wife, Joan, not I.O. They, they, they refused. They re- Joan well, refuses. Joan did. Yeah. Randy put her on speaker. That one, were you here that day? I was here. It was amazing. So he called Joan. He goes, all right, I'll call her right now. And then he had it. I said, Randy, you better tell her that she's on the radio. All right, Joan, you're on the radio. Hi, Randy. Hi, guys. <laughs> and will you go I.O.? And she said no. She wouldn't even put her hands on Instagram no. with those holding those two holding hands. No, she doesn't want it. Look at Emily. She's like blushing over this. <laughs> <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some free agents in baseball, and we're going to see if we would want the Cardinals to go I.O. with some of the guys out on the market. That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And now that baseball is officially over, we can start looking ahead to the 2022 Cardinals. I love it. We Let's can, do it. We can start looking at certain players that we would like John Mozeliak in the front office to acquire and how we would like the team to be constructed. I, t- I want you to get Mo on the phone 
shell and you just say, hey, Mo, this is what needs to be done. Okay, just bring it. All right. That's what he'd say. Here's my list. Okay. Check it over. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Just tell him, hey, Mo, I've been doing some digging. This is what I came up with. Mo, here's all I want. Corey Seager and Max Scherzer. Is that too much to ask? Man, that'd be a lot to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you said I could make my demands. That's true. I could make my demands to Mo. Even one of those guys would be a lot to ask. That's true. I am really curious, though, what some of these guys are going to get. You know, coming out of the CBA Uh and what it looks like and what's the appetite to hand... Certain players, really big deals. As I always say, it only takes one owner, one, to say, I'm infatuated with player X and go get him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Here's I, a blank it, check. Yeah, the front office sometimes will. I mean, I've, I've talked to people about this. Sometimes the front office, and, and I'm not just talking about the Cardinals or Blues or anything, I'm just talking about sports in general. They'll say, okay, there's player X, and the owner says, okay, I love that player. Go get him. And they're like, well, here's what we're thinking. We could maybe take that money and go get this, this, and that. Nope, I want that guy. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. Just takes one. Like Artie Moreno and Albert Pujols? Exactly. <laughs> that would be prime example number one. I yes. want him. He's going to be a Hall of Famer that is going to wear an Angels hat in the Hall of Fame. He's going to bring me a World Series. I don't care what it takes. Let's get him. Yeah, and we're battling the Dodgers for f- our fans, and mm-hmm. we are trying to become uh, a bigger profiled uh, team in, in, that, in a very highly competitive market out in L.A. So, yeah, let's change the name to the L.A. Angels and let's market Albert Pujols and this is going to help our TV. And um, at that point, remember, they knew they had Mike Trout coming, but the, I, no one in the right mind thought he was going to be like this. Right. And within the first year, Mike Trout was the best player on the West Coast and then in the game of baseball. So you never know. You just never know. You do. Well, as we mentioned last segment, Dan coined the incredible phrase IO, which means Instagram official. Oh, heads up, Dan. Uh, Randy came. Randy's on vacation, and he still came in for a sales meeting yesterday because that's the type of guy that Randy is. And I told you two days ago, he's at the President's Cup (laughs) announcement. I said, what are you doing here? And I said, let me just guess. You need to talk NFL with somebody that may be in a political <laughs> figure here or whatever, you know. And he's like, I got to ask Tashara if she's got, you know, wants to bring the a football team here. I said, you have issues. But that's Randy. That's why he's the best. He's the best. But just a heads up, when I saw him yesterday, he goes, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson? I go, Randy, we'll, I go, we'll unpack this later. We'll unpack this later. So just that's a heads awesome. up that next week when you're back in, Randy will definitely be talking about Kim K and Pete Davidson. They have not gone IL. They have not no. gone Instagram official. So what we're- By the way, before we go into this, he was with somebody else last night. What's uh, Pete Davidson? Yeah. What? I'm going to find it. Now, you go ahead and set this okay, thing up. Okay, I will. Ready. All right. He was with Kim in Staten Island just days ago, Dan. I know. They were having a <laughs> private dinner in New York. Adorable. It really Adorable. is. So, the Cardinals obviously are looking at a lot of free agents this offseason. We know that there are certain areas of the team in which they seek to improve. But as we're looking at the list of free agents here, Dan, I'm going to throw some names out there, and we're going to decide if we would like the Cardinals and Player X to go I.L. All right, let's do it. Well, let's start with an easy one. How about Corey Seager, shortstop, Los Angeles Dodgers? He checks a lot of the boxes, I think, that if you're the Cardinals, um, you're, you're looking at. And I, I'm sure we're going to get into the shortstop market with other other players. He's a left-handed bat. Mm-hmm. He's young, and he's a really good player defensively. So those are the, the boxes that you check. My concern would be, is I look at the Cardinals – as much as I'd love to adjust the lineup and say, okay, go get this player, go get that player, I still go back to my general feeling that they just 
if they can find strike throwers and find pitching and dedicate the money there, I'm not, and I'm not saying they're not going to go get a shortstop. I don't know what they're thinking here at this point because there's some other things you could do with your lineup offensively. But, uh, man, that's that's where I'm going with my money. However, uh, if there's a shortstop that would pop on a short-term deal potentially, and that's not Corey Seager, I'm looking at it. Now, if Corey Seager came to me in the Cardinals and said, hey, I want to be a Cardinal, and I'm not saying he is, but if he, mm-hmm. then I'd say, okay, let's try to make this thing work. But of the guys that are out there, and it's such a loaded free agent class of shortstops, he might be at the top of the list. So what does that mean? That means long-term, probably $250, $300 million, if not more. You know, that's a significant investment. And um, I'm not sure I want to go there just yet. I know a lot of fans are looking at the loaded shortstop market and they're looking at the Cardinals options, whether it's Paul DeYoung or Edmundo Sosa, and they're they're connecting the dots there. But I'm kind of with you. I don't I don't wonder if the Cardinals, if they're organizing their wish list or their to do list, if starting pitching isn't at the top of that list. I think it's got to be. And I've said this multiple times. I was wrong. You and I were talking, and I said, man, this team's going to have pitching, pitching, pitching coming out of spring training. And I thought they were, if somebody got hurt or ineffective, that they had enough to cover themselves, and I was dead wrong. And and I think the Cardinals were, too. I think they thought they had more than they realized. Now, again, I think they expected KK to be healthier, Carlos Martinez to be healthier, John Gant to be more effective, and it just didn't work out. So I don't want to go into next season um, without – being as covered as I can. I don't know if you can have enough pitching. I mean, there's just not enough pitching because mm-hmm. it's a long season. We saw what happened even with the Dodgers with that payroll. They ran out of pitching essentially. You know, guys run fumes. And as we've seen in the World Series, Houston ran out of pitching. Well, you know, they had to start a guy on three days rest. What happened? First couple innings was great. Then he started to wear down. Mm-hmm. And then Jorge Soler hits a bomb and the series was over. So he just can't have enough. Um, so I and I and I think the other thing we learned about this team last year and going forward is Michelle. I don't know if you feel this way, but they're elite defensively, and I've been doing the games a long time. And I thought the early two thousands teams that was pretty elite. I think this one was better. And then I'm, I'm talking about you know Yachty and Albert and their primes, mm-hmm. a very good second baseman they would bring in, Jimmy Edmonds. Larry Walker, Reggie Sanders, Edgar Renteria. I mean, any combination of those players, Scott Rowland, obviously. Um, And I think this team was better collectively defensively. So what does that mean? I need to get pitching. And with that pitching, I want to find people that throw strikes. Mm -hmm. So Corey Seager, though, I.O., if you're the Cardinals, you going official? I don't think I, I, I'm certainly going to date. (laughs) I'd love to date. You're going to Instagram DM, but maybe not go I.O.? I'll go in his... Slide in the DMs? Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. I could tell. <laughs> I would slide, I'm slide in, in the DM. You're going to slide in the DM, but the price might be too high. Exactly. It's a big rock. But you're interested. You're interested. Oh, you yeah. like what you see. You're swiping through the carousel. You like what you see. You're liking some pics. I'm a player. <laughs> Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Exactly. <laughs> okay. But being a player means you got to play a lot of different things, right? That's you gotta, right. You got to you got to balance what you got out there. What in the hell are we doing? Those DMs are popping. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to a guy that I'm really intrigued by, and I'm really interested to see where he lands, especially because he opted out of his deal with the Reds yesterday, officially making him a free agent, and that's Nick. Nicholas Castellanos, outfielder, obviously, Cincinnati Reds. And he's not known for his defense, Dan, but if the DH comes to the National League, which 
for all intents and purposes, intents and purposes, we believe that it is. I wonder if that's a role that a team might utilize Nick Castellanos in. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody said to me, like, well, where are you going to play him? I said, we're going to play him. I'll figure it out. Let's just get him. If he if, Get his bat in there. Yeah, if you could get him. The only thing I would say on the flip side is I the Cardinals are very right-handed heavy. So if I can find a left-handed bat, I think that's preferable. And going back to Corey Seager, that's why I love him. And he's just a fabulous player. But I'd love to get more lefties in my lineup if I can. So if it's not Nick Castellanos, who's a right-handed bat, then I, I – I think I'd go I.O. with Kyle Schwarber. I mean, if Schwarber wants to, uh, you know, hang out and, you know, go have some steak dinners and stuff, I mean, <laughs> we could do that. Um, Post some selfies together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll go back to the shortstop thing just for a moment. Um, there's a couple of guys that intrigue me. One would be Marcus Simeon. Mm-hmm. Now, Marcus Simeon, I believe, has just changed agents. And, yes, I think he went to Scott Boris. Oh, so man. that means he's looking... You would have to think at his age, he's 31 or 32, he's he's going to take that big bite of the apple after hitting 40-plus home runs. Um, and the other guy that I think we're going to hear a lot about, and the connection is to Nolan Arenado and to we've seen the deals with the Rockies, but Trevor Story. And we had Robert Miller on, on, on our show at, at 10 o'clock, I guess it was about two or three weeks ago, and we just said, "Hey, Robert, what do you what do you think? It's and he does a really good job, like on the business side of the stuff. What are you gonna What do you think he's gonna get?" And he said, "One year, eighteen million. He said he might settle for one year and eighteen million. And I about fell out of my chair. Yeah. I mean, I, every time I think of Trevor Story, I'm thinking long term, long term investment, a lot of dollars. And here's where it gets interesting, Michelle. And my point is, is when you have Simeon who can play short second, you got Corey Seager who'll be at the top. You got Carlos Correa, you got Baez. You got this great class of shortstops. Does one or two of them say, um, because of this, my market was dried up, so I'll take a short-term deal to reestablish my market. I'm young enough to do it. I understand where the CBA is, and uh, I'll go out and have a monster year. And... Uh, you know, reset my market and make even more money. I wouldn't surprise me if one of them does that. And Trevor Story might just be that guy. Could be. Because I, I think on the list, he's not number one for he's sure. He's not number one. The market is saturated at his position. And I think he's a guy that wants to get out of Colorado. And you see Nolan Arenado, G.J. LeMahieu as well. Other guys leave cores and have success. He's obviously boys with Nolan Arenado. And he's seen what life is like outside of Denver. For sure. And maybe he's just so desperate to get out and prove himself and be on a team that's contending that he would take a team-friendly deal or a one-year deal so that he can prove himself, reset the market. So if you're a team, you're really getting into the splits. You're getting into what he's done at cores, outside of cores. There are a lot of people, though, that said in baseball, this situation of him being a pending free agent and then not getting dealt and then seeing, well, they even take it further back. When Arenado got dealt to St. Louis, it was like, okay, we're not trying to win. This is going to be a tough year. And I'm behind the eight ball because now I'm the guy. And it just apparently, you know, mentally, physically, it just took its toll, mm-hmm. you know. So we didn't maybe see the true Trevor story that somebody that signs him is going to get next year. We'll see. See how it plays out. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smama. We're going to revisit this later in the show. We've got an entire list of free agents out there. We're going to see if the Cardinals would go go I.O. with them. But coming up next, it's take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Tioli on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
checks into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It with Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. And, Dan, we talked about this earlier in the week. Von Miller getting traded to the Rams. He was talking about the move earlier this week. He said, I went to sleep 4-4 four and four and I woke up 7-1. and one. Take it or leave it. You hate the move, but you love that quote. I do, and I guess in, you would know maybe better than I. Didn't he throw a Halloween party and then he like charged all his teammates the the bill or part of it? And they're like, "Wait a minute! I thought I was just showing up. You threw the party. Why, what's the problem here? Isn't that why? I mean, there was like frustration in the locker room with that. I need to look into that more. I didn't know that he charges. I knew he threw the Halloween party what? and then got moved. I didn't know he charged his teammates. Uh, I say charged. Um, like it sounds like he's taking a page out of Kronky's book. Probably. Yeah, right. And and. Yeah, yeah, there'll be two peas in a pod. But <laughs> yeah. um, I guess he threw the party, and it's like a six or seven figure party, and he does it all the time. And then he was in, he was expecting, including rookies, to like help him foot the bill, chip in. Yeah. So I don't know if he charged him, but yeah, hey, you need to help me with this. And if I'm a rookie, I'm like, you're in LA. I'm not paying anything. I don't have to answer to you on this team anymore. See ya. I did. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a rookie, I'm like, really, man? I thought you were the leader of the team. And by the <laughs> way, you made over $100 million. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. From the 917 on Sunday, I'm running the New York City Marathon. Wow. Carriker and Smallman and Danny Mac have been the soundtrack of training run. Keep uh, keep this going in NYC. Well, I'll take that. Oh, my gosh. That's Congra- nice. Congratulations, first of all, on running the New York City Marathon. It's one of my favorite days in the calendar, Dan. I don't know if you've ever been there for Marathon Day in New York. I have not. It's incredible. So when I was in Connecticut, I would go into the city a lot, and it it obviously spans 26.2 miles throughout the city, but everybody in the city stops what they're doing. The city shuts down that day, and people are 6 to 10 deep throughout cool? the route, and you're following your friends along. Everyone's cheering for people. I actually watched in Brooklyn one year, and we stayed until it was super dark. A ton of people did, and That's we cool. cheered on people who were still running. We had DJs. It was a big dance party. A lot of people have brunches and pre-games. It is such a great energy in the city. And if anybody has run one, and you have, and I've done half marathons. Oh, I've never run a full. Only okay, half. I, I, do the, I used to do the halves, and then my body broke down. But um, <laughs> do you need, like, for me, I needed people around going, <laughs> keep going. I'm like, really, do I have to? Can I just kind of come over with you guys and yeah. hang out? Can I just chill? <laughs> right. Like, a, lot of, a lot of runners would stop, and we would hand them beer. Oh, sure. <laughs> they would t- drink some beer and walk. Yeah, you know, just keep on going. Catch a jello shot as you're running. Why not? I did the uh, Chicago, um, what's the music one? The uh, rock and roll. Rock and roll. I did that. That was cool. I mean, just stuff like that. I did a bunch of those. They're fun. They are. And then it hurt my knee and I had surgery, so then they're, that was it. They're fun now that we're removed from it. At, yeah. at mile 11, not so fun. I understand that for sure. Emily, what do you got? <laughs> from the 636, take it or leave it, the Cardinals are going to rotate players at DH rather than sign a full-time one. I've thought about that, mm-hmm. and I, I think we've gotten an inkling from Ollie and others. Even Ollie, when he was on our show here, he said, you know, you look at how the Giants won a lot of their games, and that was interchangeable parts. Um, and it was a lot of substitutions, in and out, matchups. Um, you could do that. And, and maybe some of that is dependent on what you do at shortstop. Maybe mm-hmm. some of that is dependent on... If you have a designated hitter, would the designated hitter be tied in with the starting pitcher that when you take out the starting pitcher, you lose your DH and then you got to make some adjustments. So um, part of that is the strategy of the game. So we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. All right, we have time for one or two more quickly from the 636. Take it or leave it. Matt Carpenter signed with another team. 
I'll take that. I think he gets a minor league invite to somewhere. Yeah. I think that's what he would get. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens from there, but I think at least he'll get some sort of an invite from some team. It will not be a guarantee. It won't be a major league deal. It'll he, be a, he wants to play, right? He has said that. He has stated that. And he's stated that to people um, that I talked to all year. You know, he said it's just been a frustrating year, but that's what he wanted to do. So we'll see. From the 217, take it or leave it. Jordan Love secures himself as next year's starter on Sunday. I'm going to take that slash leave it because I think he's already secured himself yeah. as next year's starter because yeah. we know Aaron Rodgers is not long for Green Bay. So it's going to be Jordan Love time next season, whether Aaron Rodgers was out this weekend versus the Chiefs or not. You know, the Packer fans are such great fans. I wonder how some of them have just reacted to everything that's gone on the last year and a half with Aaron Rodgers and just said, you know, uncle, I've had enough. It's been interesting because... As great as he is, too. As great as he is, I think during this process, at points in this process, it was talent is more important than what's happening or attitude. And I think at this point, a lot of Packers fans that I've talked to say good reddits. Yeah, had enough. Yeah. that's Thank you, Emily. Thank you. That's Sam McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to visit with SLU Athletic Director Chris May, talk about what is happening, all things Billikens. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. Let's head right now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in SLU Athletic Director Chris May. He joins us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Michelle, how are you this morning? We're doing wonderful. Thanks so much. And I know that SLU had a big announcement uh, a couple weeks ago. You have a wonderful new facility that's going to be built on campus that is going to be an incredible option for your student athletes. Tell us about it. Yeah, Michelle, thank you. Yeah, we, uh, we're very blessed to, uh, we announced the O'Loughlin Family Champion Center on the 19th, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be an unbelievable addition. It's the second largest facility announcement since Shape It's Arena, and uh, it'll be equally impactful. It, uh, what the facility's going to do is it's going to put Billiken student-athletes in position to get every service they need right under one roof, whether it's academic support, career support, sports psych, uh, technology to prepare to play, um, fueling station, nutrition centers, you name it, technology suites. It it puts all of it in one roof, and it puts us in in the position to really compete to be an elite basketball-centric program. We we went around the country and looked at all the – all the biggest and the best from Georgetown to Villanova to you name it. And we picked pieces out of all those facilities and, and looked at how do we take shape its arena, which is as good a on-campus facility as you'll find in the country. I believe it's the best. And what are the other pieces? And so we put all those pieces together and uh, very blessed to bring together the O'Loughlin family champion center. It happened with the, uh, with the community really rallying around our vision from Bob O'Loughlin to, Jim Cavanaugh, Worldwide Technology. You go. Uh, it's been a major community uh, investment in SLU and in SLU students, and uh, we're really, really proud of it. And, Chris, we, we probably should point out, and good morning to you, that it's it's not just, as you mentioned, uh, basketball. We're, we're talking about all the uh, athletic teams that will have a chance to to take in this facility and, and be a part of it, and your soccer teams are playing so well right now. Uh, in the spring, you've got great baseball and other sports that are going on, so it's the, the entire student-athlete uh, community that, that can benefit from this uh, particular facility.
versatility. Well, Dan, it really does, and I, I should have said that better. You, you said it better than I. Um, what, what it will do is it will serve 400 student-athletes, all 18 sports, starting at 5.45 in the morning until 10.30 at night. Um, right now, if you walk into Chaffetz Arena, you'll see 200 kids uh, between the academic center, the nutrition, the fueling station, the, the sports medicine, and the strength and conditioning area. So this is for all of our student-athletes. Uh, to come in and utilize uh, all the facilities and the services to really help them pursue getting a great education at SLU, competing for championships, and helping us build this community. And so uh, you mentioned our soccer teams. We've got the women in the semis today at Dayton. Katie Shields is the has our three-time defending A-10 championship team. Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin Kalish's guys play tomorrow night in the quarters. They're one of only two teams in the country that are undefeated. I think we've got the two best soccer coaches in the country. I might be a little, you know, I might be a little supportive of them, but uh, they are unbelievable. Uh, we've got basketball, as you know, kicking off on on Tuesday. Uh, Lisa Stone and her team uh, gets after Northern Iowa, which is a repeat of the WNIT quarterfinal game last year. And then we've got Travis and his guys getting after Central Arkansas, which will be a, a really big night for us on Tuesday as we as we honor Ford Stewart before the game. And uh, we kick off this season. So there's a lot going on, but I am super proud that the Lachlan Family Champion Center is going to put SLU student-athletes just in a whole different level of, of service and their preparation to compete. And so that's what, uh, that's what excites us and fires us up about what we can do for them. Chris May, SLU Director of, of Athletics, joining us here on 101 ESPN. And, Chris, you mentioned the game on Tuesday, uh, the SLU Billikens basketball versus Central Arkansas at Chaffetz Serena. We talked to Coach Ford about that yesterday. We're encouraging everyone to buy tickets and really pack the house at Chaffetz for that one. Are there any protocols in place that fans need to know about before they head into Chaffetz? Well, our protocols, everybody's masking up at at the arena. Um, That's the main one. You know, we've got we've got a safe arena policy that they can go online on SlewBillikins.com and go through all the pieces to come to the game. But it's a pretty easy uh, process right now. And we've worked with the city of St. Louis to make sure that we've got all the guidelines and the social distancing and all those pieces in place as people enter and leave the arena. But it's going to be a great night, Tuesday night, to kick off the basketball season and really to uh, honor one of ours that – that, that was following and, uh, and and it's not just going to be Tuesday. Uh, we're going to, we're going to find ways to, to honor Ford for a long, long time. He's such an important uh, part of our program. I was super blessed because Ford being Travis's nephew, he couldn't report to Travis. So he reported to me. <laughs> so I, I met with Ford uh, every other week in my office and he was the brightest young man that, uh, that really was everything you would hope about a, a former student athlete and a young, brilliant coach. And so uh, we're going to honor him uh, starting Tuesday and for a long time at, at SLU. But uh, he's, he's an important part, and it'll be a great way to kick off the basketball season. Boy, I think back to a year ago this time, Chris, and you're, you're just trying to get the season going. And for all college basketball, you know, do you do home-and-homes? Do you, do, how do you figure out a schedule? Your schedule was just a mess last year for everybody, not just you, but everybody in college basketball. I, I'm curious, from an AD's perspective, as you reflect on the, the COVID year of trying to get through sports, how did you do it? What was it like? Can you, can you pull back the curtain and, and just give us an idea of what this thing was like? Wow, Dan, that's a great question. And uh, I just came back from A-10 AD's meetings late last night, and we talked a little bit about it. But what we went through 
a year ago, it was like going through the vortex. I mean, every day was game on. And all you're trying to do is put your students in position to compete. And you just didn't know. You didn't know what was coming at you. And we were very fortunate to pull together a schedule. I mean, at one point we were supposed to be going to one MTE. We end up pulling one off at home. We get LSU to come in here. We had, we played great against LSU. We got NC State to come in. So, um, But every day was a new adventure. And we were just working our tails off to put not only basketball kids, but again, all 400 students at SLU in position to compete. At the end of the day, the, the final report card on COVID last year for our program is that our program, our student athletes played more games than anybody else in the A-10. Wow. We, uh, and we had some strict protocols, but when you look up and down all sports, we played more games than anybody else. And so what it proved was that uh, our protocols worked, even though we had our hiccups, it wasn't easy. It was hard. It was super hard, especially when you're, you're trying to help young people 18 to 22 go through their COVID process. And just think about what the rest of us were all going through, right? I mean, we're supposed to be the adults in the world. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm tired of worrying about buying my, buying my groceries at Schnucks and do I have to wipe them down? You know, there's so many things that we were all going through. Um, But at the end of the day, it was how do you help young people compete? And uh, we were fortunate to really get to put those kids in position to really play a lot of games uh, we had our challenges, but uh, it, it, when you all looked at it at the end of the day, we, uh, we did as well as we could, and we really put our student-athletes in position to compete. The other thing that we did was we started in summer of 2020 when everything was shut down. We didn't know if we were going to play a game. We, we really doubled down, and all of our coaches and all of our staff we got, we were in weekly meetings, weekly Weekly Zooms, and I got to tell you, if I'm not on another Zoom again, I wouldn't mind it. We are the only one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. And everybody said, you know what? What do we have to do to come out of this thing way better than our competition? And so we doubled down on our positive energy. We doubled down on gratitude and appreciation for what we have. And, and at the same time, we were raising money for the O'Loughlin Family Champion Center. And what happened was the community rallied around our program and our students and our coaches. And at the end of the day, what you have right now is you've got a top 10 soccer team. You've got a women's team that very well, if we win today, we'll be, we'll, we'll four-peat in the A-10. We've got two basketball teams in position to have great years. We've got a baseball program that will compete to win the A-10 again. You go up and down our program, and every one of them has had huge success. Cross-country team had their best year ever. Um, and so what, what it's the, as I look at the book, COVID, um, put us in position to really rally around each other and we've had great success because of it. And, uh, and I think that's also because of a foundation at SLU that we've got a faculty that is there to support students every day. And Dr. Postello, uh, has been unbelievably supportive of our student athletes, of our kids going to class and getting it done. And so right now we've just got a really positive environment and culture, and uh, and that that's because of Dr. Pistello and the leaders at, on campus that really serve students every day. And so a student athlete at SLU, when they come, when they graduate, they are in position to make a major difference in this country and in this world, and that's what we're here to do. 
Well put. And uh, looking forward to uh, Tuesday night, uh, my man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, congratulations on the new athletic facility. It's going to be awesome. And uh, can't wait for Tuesday night. Can't wait for basketball season to officially kick off. Hey, I really appreciate it, you guys. And, Michelle, learning on how you do a marathon day with beers and, sh- and, and jello shots, I am even more impressed by you. That was, uh, that was big time. I come from a running background, and you're one of those positive reinforcements as we're going by mile 11. That's awesome. My uh, daughter's going out to the L.A. Marathon uh, this weekend, so awesome. uh, I appreciate that. But thank you for what you guys do. We appreciate your support, and we'll hopefully – See a lot of people out in Herman tomorrow night when the men's soccer team plays their quarters, and then obviously Shave It Serena Tuesday night. Thanks so much, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. You got it. That's Chris May, SLU Director of Athletics again, SLU in Central Arkansas, Tuesday, November 9th at Chaffetz. Tickets on sale. Let's pack the house. Yeah, and again, it's uh, before the game, they're going to honor Ford Stewart, who tragically passed away at the age of 29. And so. Um, yeah, let's make sure and, and get as many people as we can. Tuesday night, Billikins uh, tip off their season. Looking forward to it. Coming up next, the Blues defeated the Sharks 5-3 to last night. We're going to unpack the game with Joey Vitale. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman with you on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in our Blues Color Analyst here on 101 ESPN. Joey Vitale's with us, our favorite thing on a Friday. Good morning, Joey. How are you? Michelle, doing great. How are you this morning? We're doing awesome. So the Blues get the victory last night, 5-3 to three over the Sharks. Joel Holfer gets his first victory in his NHL debut, which was awesome. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to know what Joey Vitale's NHL debut was like. Oh, man, I got to go way back uh, for that one. Um, you know, believe it, I guess it's the whole thing started when I was in Wilkes-Barre. I was in the minors, and it was my third year in the minors. We were actually, my wife and I were actually heading into the hospital. My first, my first child, Summer, first of five, she, my wife, was pregnant with her. We were actually going in for a pretty big ultrasound. I want to say it's like maybe a 20-week or like a, something around there. It's like an anatomy scan. So the big ultrasound, so we were kind of nervous and worked up. We're in this small town in northern PA, and uh, we're heading in from the parking lot. And I get a call from John Hines, who, of course, now is the head coach for the Nashville Predators. And I, I remember thinking at the time, like, I wasn't playing that good. I had a good start to the year, but you know what? Listen, it was the, th- the third year in the minors. You know, we all, we all find that, that, that valley where you're just like, God, I've been here so long. Am I ever going to get a chance? And I kind of hit a lull. I kind of hit a lull in the season for about two to three weeks. And I got the, I saw John Hines. I'll never forget the visual of John Hines popping up my phone. And my wife looked at me like, what do you think? I was like, Oh God, this may not be good. So I stepped away thinking I was going to get sent down to the East coast league, which was the lower league in the minors in the HL. And then of course, in that moment, he said, hey, you're getting called up, uh, your first call, congratulations. And I remember I got goosebumps, and, of course, we, we went in, we did our anatomy scan, everything checked out great with our daughter. I hopped in a van and literally shipped off to, to Pittsburgh. We played the L.A. Kings, uh, taking face off against Anze Kopitar, a guy that I've watched for so long. That was kind of a starstruck moment. Uh, stepping on the ice for the first time in warm-ups was certainly special. And I'll never forget that first shift. I, I go out there, I couldn't even feel my legs. And uh, then, of course, I get back to the bench and our head coach, Dan Biles at the time, said, Joe, that's one you'll never forget. And just kind of it kind of hit me. It kind of hit me in that moment. Like this was something I I could always say, you know, you you have. Right. You could always say you have. So for Joe Holfer, again, if if he doesn't play another National Hockey League game ever, 
he still had that moment, right? And that's that's a really cool and special moment. But I think for this young Joel Hofer kid, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a very long career. We, we saw him last night, six foot five, very athletic, a well likable kid, uh, very funny, very confident. So I think this is something we're going to see very often. Uh, Hofer on the National Hockey League. Hey, Joey, did you think that uh, when the five-on-three happened in the first and he was able to weather the storm that, you know, not only did he get confidence and not to say that he didn't have it, but it just it just it had a different feel into the game for the guys in front of him, the team, the, the whole aspect of the game and how it went going forward after that five-on-three? Dan, it's, it's a good point. Uh, Dan, when, when I got my driver's license, uh-huh. I went to the DMV in Richmond Heights. And, right. and back then, there was, there was only a couple DMVs. The ones in Richmond Heights, I tell you what, these people were the most grumpy. They were so grumpy. <laughs> and it's like, I, not, nowadays, I, I go to DMVs to get you know titles. And, and they're actually kind of friendly. I go to the pair over there by Rosalita. It's a yeah. very friendly group of people. You know, not nowadays, like, if you, if you forget something, they're like, you know what? They kind of like, ah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Back in the old days. You know, we all remember you go to DMV. The DMV. Joey, I was asking like about killing off the five on three. <laughs> right, right, I'm getting to that. I'm okay. getting to that. I'm getting to that. Give, give me a minute. Give me okay. a minute. I'm getting to that. Um, DMV <laughs> is like going to Home Depot because you got a project. You know, you expect that you got to take at least four trips. Don't think for a second you're going to go just once, get everything you need, come home, the project's going to be done. DMV is the same way. Don't expect you're going to have all the right paperwork because they're going to send you back home. So don't be disappointed, okay? Now, where was it going with that? Oh, yeah. So the DMV. So I went to the DMV, and I get my license. I've turned 16. The day I turned 16, I come out of the DMV. It's late because it was such a long wait, and my dad was there with me. My dad, he you know, gets up at 3 a.m. every morning for work. It's 8 o'clock at night. It's way past his bedtime. Uh, it's getting dark. It's in the winter. We come out of the DMV, and it's pouring down rain, and it's dark. And my dad goes, here you go, bud. And he hands me the keys. And we're in Richmond Heights, and I got to hop on Highway 44, and it is pouring down rain, and it is dark, and I have never, ever done this before. Never, right? So the reason I bring that up is yeah. because hopping, hopping on the highway, see where I'm going with this, Dan? See where I'm going with this? Yeah. Hopping on the highway with pitch black, pouring down conditions, it wasn't that great for me. I was very, very nervous, but I think it was the healthiest thing for me because I realized in that moment, if I can do this, I can do pretty much anything else. I can handle the best conditions. And I think last night, I thought about that moment, because Joel Hofer, in his first game, he's playing the Sharks. The team in front of him may not be that good because it's the second game of a back-to-back. They had to travel through the night. So already you're kind of like, ooh, we'll see how this goes. They come to the Shark Tank. Uh, this Sharks team, I don't care who their coach was, Pete DeBoer, uh, Bugner, McClellan, down the line, whatever coach they've had, they've always had an identity in that building of shooting a ton of pucks. I remember playing that building. There would be 50, 60 shots on goal, and you still got 10 minutes to go in the game. It's the way the team plays. So Joel Hofer's already processing all this, right? They're very lively boards, active glass, active dashes right behind them. He's trying to process all this. And and now, by the way, hey, you just started. Congratulations. Go out there and kill off a five-on-three. I mean, to me, that was a moment for him. If he could weather that storm and he could get through that, I think he really could get through the rest of the game. And he did that. Yeah, he let up that Brenton Burns goal, one nothing, But you keep it within one. And then you got Tyler Bozak. And Brandon Saad coming down, they get the shorthanded goal to make it even. And then, whew, you take a sigh of relief. And then it's one-to-one. All the penalty you know, shenanigans kind of passed, right? And he can just kind of settle into the game. So I think that was a good, a good point, Dan. And it was kind of a punch-in-the-nose moment for him. We're like, boy, I just weathered a massive storm. Now I can handle this. Five-on-five doesn't seem so bad moving forward.
Joy Vitale, our blues color analyst, joining us here on 101. It was incredible. It was a very, very good analogy. And I will always think about that now when I think of Joel Hofer's first game. You driving in the dark on Highway 44, Joey. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, figured, I figured out. I, uh, I know we don't have a ton of time, but, uh, you know, I, I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man. I try to try to think of simple analogies. I figured you guys could keep up with that one. It was great. I loved it. Well, I got lost a little bit, but now you got me back in. We got it. We got it eventually. <laughs> Not as smart as you. Well, speaking of settling in last night, Joey was. Uh, it was kind of the newcomers' game last night. Whether it was Joel Hofer, James Neal, Brandon Saad gets two, Pavel Buchnevitz gets two. It feels like a lot of these new guys have really settled into this Blues team in short order. Yeah, you know, I had a laugh last night when James Neal scored that goal. You know, everyone knows he lost four teeth in practice. He scored the goal. He celebrated. I kept thinking that. What's that Christmas song? All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. You know, with Christmas around the corner. I, just, I had a laugh because he's trying to smile, and he hasn't gotten, hasn't settled into his teeth just yet. But James Neal, uh, you know, talk about a net front presence on the go-ahead goal there for him. He's a player that, you know, just a month ago was still on a tryout for this team. And I think that, you know, he comes up big, a good net front presence, and he gets a big-time goal like that. And you're right, Michelle, Brandon Saad, he comes out. I thought he looked good a couple nights ago in L.A., but it's his first game back since COVID. Trying to get his legs underneath him. Uh, he made a difference in the game. Listen, you need players to make impacts in the game, not just by hitting, not by forechecking, not by eating a minutes, but you need them to produce. I mean, the, the, the shorthanded goal from Tyler Bozak was exceptional. And then his second goal, that shot from the outside, across the body, barring in, low blocker side. I mean, that, that's an elite goal scorer's motion right there. And that's something you need from a productivity standpoint. Uh, so that's number two of the three of the newcomers that really came up big last night. And the last one, Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, look at the way he came, came onto the scene. He came on the scenes very, very well with St. Louis. Comes over from the Rangers. He had a great camp. I thought he looked exceptional the first two games. Right before he got suspended, he got that goal in Arizona. He was just absolutely flying. We're like, wow, what an absolute deal for Sammy Blay. I mean, this, is, this, is, this is crazy, right? And then he gets that headbutting suspension, misses two games. It's taken him a couple games to get kind of back into the rhythm after his suspension. We're kind of waiting. Here we go. Come on, come on, come on. But what an adjustment by Craig Berube to throw him out there with two Russian buddies. You know, I, I listen, these Russians, are, they're, they're, they, they like each other. I don't know what is something about them. I mean, you go back to the Detroit days. I mean, Dan Michelle, you remember the days with Detroit with, you know, um, Fedorov and Kozlov and Konstantinov. I mean, all these Russians. I remember watching the power play. It was literally ob, the ob, the ob. I don't know how these play, play guys really kept up with it. But there is something about uh, the makeup, the, the character makeup of the Russians and how they love to play together. Uh, maybe it's communication. Maybe it's just they just feel better be, being alongside their, their, their compadres. Whatever it is. But Buchnevich gets put with Clem Costa and Ivan Barbashev last night um, at the direction of Craig Berube. And he said, go out there and get it, guys. And they get that goal there in that second period. I think they really play well moving forward. I don't know if you've seen it. I think it's the Russian Five. It's a documentary. It's awesome. But that I don't want you to go down that road because Lord knows where you might go. But I am going to tempt fate on this one. Do you still have your teeth, Joey? I mean, what you know? Did you lose teeth playing hockey? What what happened to your teeth? Yeah, you know, thankfully I didn't go down that. I was thinking about going down that Russian tunnel, but again, we, we're, we're short on time. I wish we could take you guys out sure. and had more time. But no, I yes, no, I lost. I lost six of my top teeth. Uh, I lost them in college. Uh-huh. I got an elbow to the to the mouth by Eric Griba, who was an absolute bull moose in college. I mean, he just he came across the ice and clipped me pretty hard. I remember losing losing all my uh, my top row. I, would, I remember spitting on the ice and seeing all my teeth. I tried to pick them up. And I remember thinking, going back to the bench, like, oh, my God, I'm done for the night. This is crazy. I think I had a, I probably had my 14th concussion. But I got back to the bench, and I had a coach, Greg Cronin, 
who was a tough guy. He's a minors coach right now in Colorado. He's a tough guy. And he goes, give me those teeth. And he kind of threw them. He threw them on the ground. I'm like, what was my teeth? He goes, get back out there and play. I remember having the nerves exposed. And listen, you're skating hard and this chill in the air is like gripping those nerves. And oh my God, it was the most miserable, miserable feeling of my life. And then, of course, that, that night in the ER, you have to go in. They got to pry out the ones that need to be pulled. Uh, the Novocaine did absolutely nothing for me. Uh, but one thing was certain, I got married four years later, and my wife said, no more of this flipper nonsense. We're getting your teeth fixed. So that was the summer of a lot of surgeries, trying to get my teeth fixed. And every now and then, I'll pop them in and out for Halloween for the kids. But aside from that, ah, it's gorgeous. Um, no, not, not too bad. Not too bad. Okay. Great stuff, as always, from Joey Vitale on a Friday here on 101 ESPN. Joey, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll hear you this Sunday, Blues versus Ducks with pregame starting at 6 p.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Thanks, Joey. Yeah, I tell you, the coolest thing about my teeth, too, you know, I uh, every now and then I'll put a bunch of water in my mouth, and I kind of do this thing where I, I, I pump my arm like it's a well, and I can <laughs> squirt it through my two front teeth. The kids get a big kick out of it. I tell you, the kids, they get, they get, they get, they get a big kick out of it. Well, I bet they love it. We need a video of this, Joey. Kids love it. Kids love it. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks, Joey. Thank you, Joey. Can I tell you what my dream is, Dan? I uh, would, sure. Do you remember the ESPN Ocho where it was rock, paper, scissors, yeah. and thumb war, all sorts of fun things like that? Imagine this. Try, let this marinate for a second. Greg Amzinger and Joey Vitale Ooh. calling rock, paper, scissors on the Ocho. Well, think about the energy level. I think there. if you just got those two together, it just uh, Anything, it would wear really. you out. Anything that you would have them yeah. call. It would be an unbelievable broadcast, but I would love it to be something very obscure that they would make very serious and also very fun. Well, you, you know, out of this last 15 minutes, we heard about him going to the DMV, <laughs> uh, what it's like to go to a Home Depot or wherever he was going. Uh, let's see. He can. He lost all his teeth. Nerves exposed. Water going through teeth. It's a great party trick. I mean, he, just bring him to a kid's party, and you got Joey Vitale. He's the best. That's Dan Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, it's time for The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Morning here in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it is time for the fight. Randy Carriker is on vacation, his last day of vacation. He's back on Monday, which means that our fighter today is going to take on Danny Mack. So Dan's challenger is Mike, who is with us. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing wonderful. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. And Mike, I was told that you like to listen to the fight every morning when you're driving your daughter Kaylee to school. Is that correct? That sure is. She's a she's a big fan of the fight, and actually, a, she's a big Michelle Smallman fan. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, tell Kaylee I said hello, and shout out to her for listening. Will do. Thanks. You got it. All right, Mike. Are you ready to go? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for Mike and Kaylee, question number one: Giants catcher Buster Posey officially announced yesterday that he would be retiring from Major League Baseball. Posey only won one Gold Glove. Which year did he do so? Was it 2014, 2016, or 2018? I'm going to go with 2014. 
The Colts defeated the Jets 45-30 behind running back Jonathan Taylor's two-touchdown performance last night. Taylor was the two-time Big Ten running back of the year for which university? Was it Ohio State, Michigan, or Wisconsin? Uh, shoot, I do not remember where he went to school. Um, I'm going to go with Ohio State. Question number three for you, Mike. Center Jack Eichel was traded from the Buffalo Sabres to the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday in exchange for two players and two future draft picks. Eichel was the second overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft. Who was first overall? Was it Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, or Matthew Kachuk? Sorry, which year were you, was it? The 2015 NHL draft. Jack Eichel was second. Who was first overall? Oh... I'm going to go with Matthews. And who was the last Cardinal to throw a complete game in the postseason? Was it Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, or Michael Walker? Ooh, um, I'll say Michael Walker. Okay, we're checking our score here. Dan is on his way in. Mike, are you driving to school now, or did you already drop um, Kaylee off? We are, we're almost at the school now. We're actually in the parking lot just waiting to finish off the fight. Awesome. Well, how exciting that you get to do it today. All right, Dan is yeah. on his way in. Oh, he's talking to our boss outside, so we don't want to rush him. <laughs> Let him talk to our boss. How do you feel after completing the fight, Mike? Um, well, it's fun. Um, <laughs> I don't feel super confident on it. Well, as long as you have fun, that's all that matters. Dan's putting <laughs> his headset on. Dan, please say good morning to Mike, who listens to the fight every morning as awesome. he's driving his daughter Kaylee to school. How you doing, Mike? How you doing, Kaylee, if you're still in the car? Hope you guys are doing okay. Yeah, we're doing great. How are you? We're doing great. Thanks. Uh, I'm going to do the Randy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. I'm glad you felt the same way. Dan, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. Question number one. Giants catcher Buster Posey officially announced yesterday. Pose dog. Pose dog that he would be retiring from Major League Baseball. Posey only won one gold glove. Which year did he do it? So Yachty has got, if memory serves correct, he's got nine. And I remember because he was so upset at the end of last year to get to 10 to tie Johnny Bench. Uh, and Yachty is a finalist this year. And I remember saying that eight of the nine were consecutive. So let me do this. Eight, nine, 13, 14, 15. I, I'll say 2015 was the last run. I think it began in eight. So I'll say Buster won it in 16, 2016. The Colts defeated the Jets 45-30 to behind running back Jonathan Taylor's two-touchdown performance last night. Taylor was the two-time Big Ten running back of the year for which university? Wisconsin. Question number three for Dan. Center Jack Eichel was traded from the Buffalo Sabres to the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday in exchange for two players and two future draft picks. Eichel was the second overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft, who was first overall. Uh, That was 2016, and it's ironic because last night, I looked it up. Bernie, for, it was the 19th anniversary of Bernie Federko going into the Hall of Fame. Incredible. And I was in Toronto, and uh, I was playing golf yesterday with somebody, and we're talking about working with Bernie. And somehow we went down the rabbit hole of me being in Toronto with Bernie. And I said, you know, it was about this time of year. And I said, I, I think it was like in, you know, late November. And I looked it up, and it was that date was yesterday. So I said, oh, we got to do something on the pregame show yesterday. And then we dovetail that into saying, um, who are guys now that would be in the Hall of Fame? So I'm getting to the point of the answer. 
And so is Connor McDavid is the answer of the Edmonton Oiler. But um, anyway, I, I, I said, well, you, you got Ovechkin's in, Sidney Crosby's in, and we went through some other guys, and he said, I think McDavid's in. I said, no way, not yet. I said, he's awesome. He's like, he's won three scoring titles already. I said, I know, but it can't be yet. I said, it, you got to have longevity. And we looked it up. 16 was when he was drafted, first overall. Who was the last Cardinal to throw a complete game in the postseason? Uh, I was at this game. It was at Bush Stadium. I want to say it was 2013. It was Adam Wainwright, Garrett Cole. Uh, I don't think it's been since that. It was game five. Remember, Wayno had that reaction where he's pumping both mm-hmm, fists and mm-hmm. kind of like squatting them. was like, yeah. yeah, you know, like that. So I would have gone with Chris Carpenter because everybody remembers the game against Roy Halladay. But there was one after it, after it. And I do believe it was Adam Wainwright against Garrett Cole and the Pittsburgh Pirates at Bush Stadium. Emily, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. <laughs> was that you that just did yeah, that? I was looking at something else. The mic. Dan doesn't like that, so I didn't load it up. I know, him. but I had to do it because Dan got the jack. He got all four correct. Mike, we are huge Mike fans. We are huge Kaylee fans. We're sorry that Dan beat you four to nothing today. We're sorry. But thank you for listening. Thank you for playing. That's okay. We had fun. Thanks for uh, having us on. Awesome. And uh, Kaylee, have a great day at school. Have a great Friday. Yeah, have a great Friday and a great weekend. And make sure you get a lot of ice cream and soda this weekend just for your dad playing on the fight. It's a special <laughs> weekend. And, and I'm sure do that around 8 or 9 o'clock tonight. It'll be perfect. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's run through our answers. So Buster Posey only won one gold glove, and he did so in 2016. Um, Jonathan Taylor had two touchdowns last night. He was the two-time Big Ten running back of the year for Wisconsin. I didn't know that one, really. I just threw it out there. They just they keep producing good pros, so yeah. I figured it was Wisconsin. Well, they're like running back you. That's what I mean. You know? So I was like, okay, it's That's Wisconsin. Right. And the 2015 NHL draft, it was Jack Eichel second overall behind Connor McDavid, as yep. Dan mentioned, from the Edmonton Oilers. And the last Cardinal to throw a CG shutout in the postseason, or as Dallas Braden likes to say, a CG shut piece. Remember, he used to say CG. Oh, yeah. Shut piece. That's right. It's Adam Wainwright. And he threw a perfect game, so he's got street cred. That's right. That's true. He can call it what he wants. That's right. 2013 NLDS Game 5 versus the Pirates. So, good job, Dan. You did an awesome job in Randy Carricker's shoes this week. Well, Randy is back. Megamind is back next week. And I will be undoubtedly rooting for the listener, except... If you go after Michelle, <laughs> I'm you. not doing that. That's right. Dan's on my side. Put you in your place. You better know that. You got it. All right. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Jay Delsing. The President's Cup coming to St. Louis. We're going to talk about it with Jay on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. We were just talking about empty nesting and and Dan, how he has a gong show of a house, a very lively and active household now. And then one day, his kids are going to be off at college. It's going to be an empty nester. He's going to be bored. Jay's an empty nester, but he's not bored because he's always busy. He's he's wheeling and dealing. That's Jay Delsing in a nutshell. Wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing, Jay. He's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Jay. 
Hey, guys, I'm on the back end of the gong show, but it's still a gong show. So. <laughs> it never ends, does it, Jay? Yeah. Once a gong oh, show, always man, a gong show. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's so true. And, and Danny, um, are you just on coffee? I mean, I watched you last night, and, man, you're the hardest-working guy in town. I, I love it. You're all over the place, man. Jay, look what I do for a living, okay? <laughs> I mean, I would have killed to be doing this many, many years ago, and so I still enjoy it, and I just took a big swig of a Diet Coke that's got plenty of caffeine. So it's all good, baby. Right on. It's all good. Well, Jay, some great news coming out of the St. Louis sports scene this week as the President's Cup is coming to St. Louis in 2030 out at Belle Reve and on the heels of the Ascension Charity Classic and, of course, the PGA Championship here in St. Louis. It's just one more unbelievable golf event that we have coming to our town. Yeah, Michelle, it, it, it really is incredible. I'm hoping that I can just be alive for another nine years. I thought, gosh, nine years, I don't know how old I'm going to be. I don't even want to know, but it's a great, it's a great get. Well, let's hope you're among the living, Jay. Let's just get that out of the... Uh... <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm okay. hoping, Jay. All right. I know, you never know, you know. it's. Uh, but it, it's a great get for, for the city. And uh, I, I was talking to Frank... Um, with the sports commission and those guys do a great job of throwing our, our, our names in the hat and, and getting things like this. But for golf, you guys, I mean, um, it, it's, it's going to be something that the city's never seen before because it's going to be, you know, this, this uh, match play format, it's going to be completely different in terms of from what the PGA championship was before of of play all the time there'll be just centralized matches going out at at certain times and so oh man there'll be so many people around um you know four or five greens at a time it's really got to be cool yeah I, I think we need to try to explain this maybe jay and there's a lot of different tentacles we can go down and roads we can go down with this but first of all it won't be as crowded as the PGA or any other PGA event uh, that comes through St. Louis and is at Bell Reef. So if you're there and you're among the 50,000, it's not going to be like that. And some of it is match play. So you can eliminate uh, your competition here in, you know, 14, 15 holes. And so maybe they reconfigure the course a little bit. And I think the other thing that we have to get out there is that if you're a golf fan, I was saying this to Michelle, it's not like you're giving your normal golf clap and a guy gets a par and you, you know, you're moving on to the next hole and you're following your favorite golfer. This is international competition and the fans are going wild. So it's a totally different atmosphere than you're used to. If you're watching golf on a normal Sunday or weekend or whatever. Oh, Danny, it's so true. I, I was at the Ryder Cup at Hazeltine a few years back. <clears throat> and other than when the Cardinals have won the World Series, I've been a part of those celebrations in the Stanley Cup. I have never seen so much um, energy on the same side of the fence, so to speak. The red, white, and blue is just strong as hell. Um, and I'm sure it's it's the it's the other way once you know the uh, competition heads to the international soil. But you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, do will the match play? Uh, how, how how many matches will go to the 17th right. and to the 18th holes? I mean, how much action are you going to see at the back end of the golf course? You're just not really sure. But the one thing that you are sure of is you're going to get the best players in the world. And a lot of these international players are going to be players that, you know, may not, you may not have ever seen play live before. And, um, oh my gosh, nine years from now, there's going to be a a bigger influx of South Korean men, 
you know, the South Korean women have dominated the LPGA. And we have probably six South Korean men that are playing now that are really, really good players and getting ready to take it to the next level. So it's really got to be something for St. Louis. The host of Golf with Jay Delsing, Jay Delsing, here with us on 101 ESPN. And Jay, what are you hearing in in golf circles, maybe people who are outside of St. Louis? What did they say about St. Louis as a golf environment? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, you just, excuse me, you look back at what happened at PGA Championship in 2018, and Jim Nance was gushing about St. Louis, and and for for really no reason other than the fact that what he was witnessing and experiencing was true. But when Tiger stands up, Michelle, and says, I've never seen this kind of support before, never, you know, typically there's some razzing going on, and it's either you're, you're, you're pro Tiger and you hate everything else. Right, but it wasn't that way in St. Louis. And when Tiger came out to say that, and you know what, guys, it's interesting because at the Ascension Charity Classic, I had probably twenty, maybe twenty-four pros come up to me and say really super positive things about the tournament, about the golf course, and about the city. And typically speaking, you guys, over the course of my career, it just doesn't happen. You know, the guys are usually bitching about stuff. They're usually complaining about stuff. They're, yeah, you know, there wasn't a full tank of gas in my free car. You know, things like that. <laughs> and these guys were genuinely saying, man, I can't believe how many people came out for this. And it was the same way for the PGA Championship. And it's going to be the same way for the President's Cup. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, I was talking to some of the tour officials the other day, Jay, at, at our event at Bell Reeve and um, in the official announcement. And I just said... I can't remember how it got brought up, but the long and short of it is is that they said the PGA commissioner, uh, Mr. Monahan, uh, basically said as he was watching the PGA championship at Bell Reeve, and I, I think I said this to you, Michelle, yesterday, and Jay, I'll get your reaction to this. He, he looked out over the crowd on that Sunday and said, this is unbelievable, and we have to find, starting tonight, Starting tonight, as Kepka was wrapping up the, the championship, how are we going to get back here and maximize the support that we have in St. Louis? Because every PGA event, if we could make it like this, would be incredible. And obviously, that's not going to be the case. But we have to find a signature, spectacular event to come back to St. Louis because this is unlike anything we've ever seen. Now, that's the, that's the PGA Tour commissioner saying that. And he's there just about every Sunday. No, it's so true, Danny. And I think when we were sitting there at Bell Reeve the other day, you did a great job emceeing that, Thank by the you. way. But but Bill DeWitt got up and and started mentioning about how the city shows up, yeah. the corporate citizenship. You know, he mentioned some of the ancillary uh, um, events. Ice skating, have, wrestling, all that kind of stuff that the Sports Commission brings in, yeah. Absolutely. And he was saying how St. Louis just shows up and it puts their best foot forward. And um, they, I, I know that I talked to our commissioner about a tour event right after the PGA Championship. And he said, let me tell you, we it's it's at the top of our list. You know, That's there's awesome. a lot of cities that are vying for that. But, man, it's. For some golf nerd like myself, you know, that loves a game and loves St. Louis, it's, it's a big deal. Well, Jay, what do we have coming up on the show, Golf with Jay Delsing, this weekend? 
I know, Michelle, you never miss this. This is going to be, I got Dan Rooney coming, uh, the, the gentleman that, that founded Folds of Honor, uh, 1,600 hours in a F-16 fighter pilot. They Guys, they raised $7 bucks this year on Patriot awesome. Golf Day. That's wow. guys putting buckets out on the first tee and having fellows that are uh, men and women that are going to go play that day support the families um, of the fallen. And um, they do a great job. And Dan's, Dan's awesome. Hey, uh, Jay, uh, shameless plug for you here. Do you know Michelle is a, uh, a wine connoisseur? <laughs> Did you know that? Oh, uh, Michelle, you got to come over to Wild. I did not, but you're my new best friend, Michelle. You got to come over to Wild Brush. Oh, so I'm there, Wild Jay. Brush. Do you know Jay is yeah, a uh, owner? Well, hold on here, Jay. I mean, you you have opened up a little wine bar. Uh, tell tell people where it's at and what it's all about because Michelle will be there, and uh, we're done at ten. So whenever you <laughs> open up, she'll be there. Michelle, I'll be there at ten oh five. Just get your butt over there. Hurry up. No, Bob Brinkman built this beautiful. Uh, complex over right behind Straub's at Mason and Clayton Roads. We are Suite 105. It's called Wild Crush Wine Barn. You'll see why we call it a barn because our our entire building is kind of uh, built like a really cool 100-year-old barn. And gosh, you got to come in there and and we have the only self-dispensing wine machines in the state of Missouri. So we're going to pour you some wine and we're going to, we've got some good wines in there too. Well, Jay, I will be there. You can count on it. That Michelle sounds great. Michelle will be there. <laughs> Michelle, I got to get your chair ready for you. Just give me a little heads up. Send me a text. We'll we'll have a nice glass of red waiting for you there, and uh, and uh, we'll welcome you with open arms. And where's the location again, Jay? It's at the corners of Mason and Clayton Road. Yep. The address is one three three six zero Clayton Road. If you need that, but Danny, thanks for guys and thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. Writing down that I address. I just slid as it right speak. in there. You know, you got Michelle <laughs> yeah, loves you wine. You love to pour wine. I thought, hey, it's a great, it's a, it's it's a great a good match. thing. You know, it's a great match. Well, thanks so much, Jay. We will be tuned in this weekend as well. Great guys, thank you. You got it. Thank you, Dan, for that connection. I will be oh, there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> By the way, I think maybe, I know we got to go to a break, Emily, okay? You just simmered down over there. <laughs> it's Friday. I We're loose. in your direction. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then, We're talking wine here. I'm sensitive, the okay? doesn't matter. Sorry. So here's what I think you need to do. I got a whole day planned for you. Tell you ready? Me. I'm okay. ready. I was told during the break, and Emily, you can chime in because you were part of this conversation. Randy and Michelle, <laughs> while Randy is I.O. with Joan, but Randy and Michelle are going to the movies together to go. <laughs> and I said, "When I wait a minute, hold on, what? You guys are going to the movie? We got a double yeah. date going on here? What? No, just Randy and I go, really? Okay. <laughs> now, this is done for your business because you need to review the Kurt Warner movie because you're going to sit down with Kurt and Brenda coming up next week. Correct. So I'm thinking maybe... You know, to, to put a little uh, spectacular feeling to this particular <laughs> venture with you two is maybe you, you guys go to Jay's Wine Bar and uh, pour yourself a glass of wine, enjoy yourself, and that'll be the beginning of it. And, uh, you know, and maybe you go to California Pizza because Randy apparently got engaged to California Pizza or something happened on that spectacular night with Ian Joan. And, you know, you share a pizza, maybe a little salad, whatever. Don't interlock arms and feed each other. We don't need that. No, okay? no Lady in the Tramp No, because no. Randy and Joan are very, very tight. So I get to keep my eyes on you just to make sure you don't steal Randy. And then you guys go get that uh, that wonderful movie in, you know. My review is going to be great. Of the oh, movie. it's going to be awesome, <laughs> especially get a couple glass of wine. And then afterwards, a nightcap with Jay and just talk golf, sports. We'll invite Joan. We'll, we'll just have a hell of a time. That sounds awesome. Thanks for that day. No problem. But I have to tell you, I casually said to Emily and Dan, oh yeah, Randy and I are going to the movies today. And they were like, 
What? I, I was. It, it did take me back a little bit. You know, Randy's like, been. No, no, no. We have to go to a screening for the Kurt Warner. Movie. It, it, this is on the heels of when I was talking to Randy yesterday. I said, "Hey, how, how's vacation been going?" He's like, "Oh, well, it was great. You know, our anniversary was this week. We celebrated our anniversary. Things are going awesome. You know, oh, awesome." And then I hear, "Well, Randy and I are going to the movies no, today." You I know. just missed him so much this week. <laughs> I, apparently, Randy's been taking a lot of vacation here lately. So he's you know, back though on Monday. He's, he's back. back on Monday, and you guys will be going from the movies to 7 a.m. wake-ups. That's right. Well, speaking of Instagram and going I.O., we're going to look at the Cardinals and some of these top free agents that are out on the market and see who we want the Cardinals to go I.O. with. Who should the Cardinals be looking at this offseason? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman on this Friday on 101 ESPN. And Dan, let's talk a little Instagram official. Let's talk about going I.O. We're going I.O. So if I'm the Cardinals and I'm looking at these top free agents across the landscape of Major League Baseball this offseason, who do I want to go I.O. with? We did this a (laughs) a little earlier in the show. Corey Seager was brought up. Trevor Story was brought up. Marcus Simeon was brought up. I mentioned Nick Castellanos. I would love for the Cardinals to explore bringing in Nick Castellanos as the D.H., not only because of what he brings you from an offensive standpoint, but I like the sandpaper, Dan. I like the intensity I, that he yes. would bring to the team. He all of a sudden, I thought about that. I remember when um, John Mozalock made the move, and it was at that time we were in San Diego. And the players actually found out about it, I think, on their phones, which is not the best way to find out. It was at the trade deadline, and that was the deal that brought in uh, John Lackey, and they went and got A.J. Pruszynski, and um, and I think Mo coined the phrase, like he said, it, it's sometimes you need to have that rusty nail in there. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, you know, baseball and sports and really in life, you just have so many different personalities. But when you're with those personalities for an extended period of time, um, you get clicks. But you hope that it's always going to the common goal of, of let's win. We're mm-hmm. a team. We're a family. Um, I think we saw that with the Braves. But sometimes you got to have that guy that can have a little fun, uh, be the rusty nail, be a guy that gets in your face, knows how. Will Clark's another great example. Will Clark was tough on J.D. Drew. I, I saw it firsthand, and it was <laughs> he was tough. But that's Will Clark. He was old school, you know. Um, so I, 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 I think Castellanos, by the way, if you brought him to St. Louis, as much as fans, you know, hated him, I always said this too with Brandon Phillips when he was in Cincinnati. You brought him here, people would have loved him. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you look at the viewpoint of being the other side, Yachty is that guy. That's Tony right. LaRusso was that guy. Chris Carpenter was that guy. You know, there's something about having that guy that's got an edge, and certainly he would do that. Now, where would he play? I don't know. And you've got the DH in play. Uh, looks like going in the National League. If you don't have it, then I don't know where he plays. But you got You would have to have a DH. But I'm going back to the original point that we were making way earlier in the show. I got to go pitching. So yes, I'm thinking, you know, is there somebody out there that has a pretty big name in the game that you'd be willing to take a flyer on? So is it Zach Greinke? Is it Justin Verlander? Is it uh, maybe Noah Syndergaard trying to reestablish his value? Is John Gray? I don't think so. John Gray, I think, uh, just turned down $30 million. I mean, how much do I want to go deep into the weeds on this and investing in some of these um, these arms. Rice Iglesias, we saw him as a closer with the Cincinnati Reds. He went to the Angels. 
he's nasty. Um, I think that's where I want to go. If I'm going to spend my money, I think I, I'm, I'm going that direction before I go anywhere else. And I understand where some people would say, hey, go get a shortstop. Go get that DH. And I'm with you. I, I get it. I can make the case for it. But if I'm going I.O., baby, I'm going I.O. pitching. You bring up an interesting name in Noah Syndergaard because you can't really project what you're going to get out of Thor after dealing with Tommy John and then that setback. I think he's pitched two innings in the last two seasons. Right. It's hard to project, but if he's healthy. Oh, yeah. And you bring him in, that's a game changer. Yeah. And and I, you know. I wonder just what a front office, did they see enough at the end of the year to say, okay, he's healthy enough and we'll take that flyer on him and give him, I don't think a multi-year deal, but give him the one-year deal. I don't know how high that would go, but that'd be the direction I'm looking at. I, Again, I've said this so many times, you just can't have enough pitching. I mean, and when Wade LeBlanc comes here and has success and Jay Happ and John Lester mm-hmm. and these guys that are throwing strikes and now Lester changed his style and so did Happ. And so did Luis Garcia when he got here. He started throwing a two-seamer and wasn't doing that before. Um, there's something to that, but I don't know. I, I just I, I got to look at pitching. Pitching is where it's at, and you can't have enough of it, as we saw with these loaded teams with high payrolls and couldn't get it through the gauntlet of postseason play. So go get me some pitching. Now, a pitcher that we would love the Cardinals to go I.O. with, but it's probably a pipe dream, is Max Scherzer. Okay, so that's the one guy if we're going to give a lot of money to. Should have given him a lot of money years yeah, ago. Well, you know, <laughs> that was then and, you know, this is now. And, man, I'd love to see Max Scherzer uh, just as a fan. How great would he look with the birds oh, on the bat? St. Louis kid, oh. all the storylines there. Grew up loving the Cardinals. Grew up loving, like, holes in that era. I remember when the Dodgers you know? were here. Remember he asked Albert Pujols to take yes. a picture with him on the field at Bush Stadium with the arch in the yes. background? And I thought he's made comments before about how he's lived outside of St. Louis for a long time. Right. But there's still that St. Louis kid in there. When you're asking Albert Pujols to take that photo on the field at Bush Stadium with, with the arch in the background, that St. Louis kid is still there. So he's 37. Um, I was reading a report the other day that somebody felt he would get three years and 150. Now, I'm not doing that. I mean, they're, they're saying, that, you know, they're going to get 40 to $50 million a year. I, I think you can spend your money and spread it out differently and be deeper as a team as opposed to just one guy. Now, that one guy is really good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's awesome. He's spectacular. He's a future Hall of Famer. Um, and he hasn't been hurt. I mean, that's that's been the interesting thing about his career. And there was a article, I think it was in The Athletic, right around the time that they were coming through uh, St. Louis. And they, they took a, there was somebody that talked about the health of Max Scherzer. And they said, he's as healthy as you can possibly get with his arm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, even with all those. Yeah throws and pitches and innings and games and piled up but uh it'd be fun i mean don't get me wrong it'd be fun if if you brought him here i certainly wouldn't be saying boy that's i don't want to see that money spent there people would be fired up if you brought max scherzer to st louis people would be buying a lot of tickets yes a lot of tickets for that and same with albert if you brought albert back Mm -hmm. you know i don't know if he fits with what they're thinking and he's limited in what he can do but there are certain players that would just rile up your fan base and get you excited. Nick Castellanos will get you excited. I think Kyle Schwarber gets you excited as a DH, you know, because we've seen him with the Cubs for so long. There are just certain players that when you make that kind of deal, uh, your fan base is fired up. And that goes to the greater point of the CBA of just marketing and selling tickets if you're shut down and not playing 
or at least not having the business of the sport, that that's disappointing. And that's that's part of it that as me as a fan, I get fired up about see what they might do and who they bring in. These are the things we should be talking about right now, not is baseball going to have a work stoppage. Right. And baseball needs to realize that, that they have all of this excitement coming off the World Series. They have a, a really interesting crop of young superstars in the game. They have a lot of things that they should be focusing on building on, not infighting and stopping <laughs> stopping all of it in its tracks. I. Uh, <laughs> how about our boy Randy? Did he just text us? He said, we flirted with Max Scherzer long enough. Time to go I.O. with him. I agree. Randy, you're He's on vacation. Of... Shut down the radio. Thank you for listening, Randy. Yeah, but Don't thanks. you think, though, that Max Scherzer is the one that got away? Max Scherzer's the oh, one. Sure. Maybe you've had a few pops on a Saturday night. You fire up the Instagram. You search for him. You want to see what he's doing. You're, you're scrolling you the timeline. What do you call that thing? The, the instant DMs or whatever? The... Sliding the DMs? Yeah, sliding the DMs. Yeah, you're liking some pictures. You yeah. want to see what he's up to. You haven't yeah. forgotten about him. No. You've watched him thrive outside of your life for a while. If given the opportunity, wouldn't you want to capitalize on the one that got away? Go I.O.? Uh, yes and no, but then I'm also like he's 37, and it's and I know I just said that they said he's shoulder and elbow and arm and just great shape and all that stuff, even though he ran out of gas here at the end of the year. I, I just don't know if I can't uh, – I, I don't know if I can give him that kind of money at that age. And – also, with the way that postseason, now you got to get to postseason, right? So you, you you watch how the games are played in regular season as opposed to postseason, and they're going to the bullpen so much, and starters aren't going deep. Do I really want to invest that much money into that? Now I got to get there, and he's going to get me there. But do I want to do that? Yeah, I probably do. With him, <laughs> maybe not with others. He's a different case. He is. He really is. Now that's my my sentimentality, my fandom coming out of me. Of saying, yeah, that's the one that got away, and I want to see him here. We'd go I.O. with him. Yeah, sure. No doubt. Not my checkbook. <laughs> that's right. It's so much easier <laughs> to spend other people's money. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, a big game for the Mizzou Tigers this weekend as they square off against number one Georgia. We're going to talk to Georgia native Mizzou offensive lineman Luke Griffin. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Group and Celebrity Line and welcome in Mizzou offensive lineman Luke Griffin. Luke, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, couldn't be better on this great Wednesday morning. I love it. Well, your Tigers defeating Vanderbilt 37-28 to last weekend. You're now sitting at 4-4, four and four, but it had to feel good for you to check off that first SEC victory of the season. Yeah, I mean, it was a really great, uh, really great feeling. Um, it was a great opportunity put in front of us. Uh, we went out and made the best of it, and at the end of the game, we came out with a victory. Uh, couldn't be happier. I mean, you know, it's always good to get a victory, especially on the road in the SEC. It's always hard, um, but we're very fortunate and very grateful that we had the opportunity, and we, we just took chance of the opportunity and made the best of it. Well, the college football playoff rankings were unveiled this week. Georgia sitting at number one in the country, and they're your next opponent, your opponent this weekend. Any nerves going into this game against the top-rated Bulldogs? Um, I don't think there's any any nerves, personally. Um, you know, it's just one of those games that you have to prepare for uh, to the best of your ability. Um, but there shouldn't be any nerves. I mean, we should just go in there and uh, – play how we know we can play. Um, and at the end of the game, you know, the scoreboard will take care of itself. Um, 
But to me, it's just let's go in there with the mindset of, you know, we can win every game that we play. And at the end of the day, like I said, the scoreboard will take care of itself and uh, and hopefully it's in our favor. Luke Griffin, Mizzou offensive lineman, joining us here on 101 ESPN. And Luke, this game is in Athens, tough environment to play in. Are there any specific preparations that your team has going into rowdy SEC environments like you're going to face this weekend? Um, you know, I would say that, you know, all year we've done a good job of, you know, just preparing us for the loud environment, you know, whether it be in practice, um, you know, trying to put us in certain situations to where there's going to be noise or this and that, you know, because going into these loud environments, you know, it's sometimes can be tough, um, especially hearing the play, this and that. But I really think we've done a good job of just, you know, slow down, get the play call, let's, let's go play. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's going to be a loud environment. We know that. So we're doing everything right now to prepare for that. Um, and I think we're doing a really good job. So we should be prepared and be ready to go. What's the loudest environment that you've encountered thus far? At Kentucky. Um, it was, I think it was a sellout crowd when we played them at Kentucky. It was a very loud environment, but, um, I would say Kentucky has to be the loudest place I've played in so far. Well, you're a Georgia native, Luke. You're from Chatsworth, Georgia. Are you going to have a lot of friends and family in the house this weekend? I am. Um, I'm going to have a ton of family, you know, friends from back home that will be there uh, cheering us on. Um, I can't wait to go out there and just play in front of those guys and have them support me along the way. Well, when you were in high school, then Georgia head football coach Mark Richt actually extended you an offer, but then he was fired. You went through a bunch of injuries. You tore your ACLs, your meniscus, and it didn't work out. But is there any extra motivation knowing that you're playing against the team you thought at one point that you were going to play for? I would say that, you know, there's no – I mean, there's obviously extra motivation, especially playing in front of my home fans pretty much, especially with, like – from being from Georgia, I know my family and friends are all going to be there. But, you know, I think it's the same, you know, preparation and and motivation as every week. I mean, in this league, it's got to be that every week to be successful. So I don't think there's, uh, you know, much difference for, for, for preparation. Um, but I would say, you know, there's a little there's a little more edge, especially going into my home state and uh, and playing at playing the University of Georgia come this Saturday. Well, after it didn't work out with Georgia, you got a lot of interest from a lot of different programs, Florida, Alabama, Minnesota, but you chose Missouri. Why Mizzou? I chose Mizzou. Um, it's just, it feels like a great, it was felt like home um, when I was getting recruited, you know, especially after, you know, Georgia, the whole thing with Georgia, my scholarship, my knees. Um, but it felt like home, you know, I came here on an official visit. Uh, everyone that I talked to was, you know, very down to earth. It was very, felt very much like it does when I'm back home in Georgia. So, um, you know, I came here for a chance to play and uh, I played pretty early. Uh, I got to play a lot last year as a redshirt freshman. Um, So that's really, you know, what it was. It just felt like home and uh, a chance to play and, and play early. And 
I feel like I can contribute to the team any way I can. Mizzou offensive lineman Luke Griffin joining us here on 101 ESPN. And it was a tough situation, Luke, over the weekend. Your quarterback, Connor Bazelak, dealing with an injury that he sustained in that Vanderbilt game. I know you're still waiting to see officially what's going to happen with him. But what is the difference? How, how do things shift on the offensive line when you have someone like Brady Cook or Tyler Macon under center as opposed to someone like Connor Bazelak? Um, I mean, personally, to me, um, you know, I feel like the coaches are going to put us in the best situation possible. Um, you know, here it's a next man up league, um, and it's the next man up here at the University of Missouri. So I feel like the coaches will put us in the best situation possible, and uh, my faith is in them. Our team's faith is in them. So I feel like they'll have us ready. But really for the O-line, you know, we have to get up there and just do what we do. No matter who's behind us, we have to have faith in whoever is behind us to make plays. Um, but at the end of the day, we still do the job that we know we have to do, whether it's, you know, Brady Cook, Tyler Macon, or Connor Bailey. Like, we still got to do the same job. But um, at the end of the day, I just have faith in, the, in our coaches, and I feel like they'll put us in the right position to be successful. Well, Luke, I looked on your Instagram page, and everyone should follow you at Luke underscore Griffin 54, and I see in your bio it says that you're a barstool athlete. Tell me about that partnership and how it came about. Um, You know, it was just one of those things where it was, you know, barstool was pretty big here at the University of Missouri. Um, You know, we had, you know, Caleb Presley and a couple of those guys come in my freshman year. They tried to do like a hard knocks deal here with us um, for freshman fall camp. And after that, you know, I just stayed in touch with some of those guys. And when it came out to apply to be a Barstool athlete, I applied and, and I luckily got in. So that's how that came about. That's so cool. And uh, the Hard Knocks type program that they were doing, do you think that's something that could be revisited? I could see them doing it, um, you know, here maybe next fall camp or something like that. Obviously, we didn't have a fall camp last season because of – COVID. Well, we had a fall camp, but we couldn't have, you know, visitors and things like that um, because of COVID. But I think, I really do think they could do it, um, you know, maybe in the next fall camp or, or in the near future. Well, I guess that would be up to the coaches and up to the barstool guys. And Luke, I imagine your friends think it's so cool that you get to play football for the University of Missouri, but does being a barstool athlete give you any clout among your buddies? I have to imagine they think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, but to me, it's just like, you know, I'm a football player at the end of the day, so I just try to do what I can do to be prepared and be ready to go when it comes Saturday. And finally, Luke, as we mentioned, Mizzou and Georgia this weekend. It's a loaded Georgia team. What's the game plan that the Tigers need to have to go in versus the Dogs? I would say just, you know, it's not. I wouldn't treat it um, any different than any other game, you know, go in like, don't play timid and come out swinging. Um, just be ready to go. Um, have your mind right and made up as soon as we get there. Uh, starting on Friday night and when it's time to kick off on Saturday, just know what you have to do. Execute your plan to the best of your ability and, and the score will take care of itself at the end of the day. Luke Griffin, Mizzou offensive lineman, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Luke, thanks so much for the time. It was great chatting with you and go get him this weekend versus Georgia. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, it's your Killing Me Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN, and it's time for 
You're killing me, Smalls. Dan, we know that Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are very tight. They're brothers. They say that they're brothers all the time. Or Manos. And Adam Wainwright was on with John Boy Media and revealed that he's spending a pretty important holiday this year with the Molina family. This is pretty cool what he's going to do. I'm blessed to to pitch to Yachty for as long as we have. He's, he's a great friend. I'm actually going down to his house for, for Thanksgiving. We're going to spend Thanksgiving together in Puerto Rico. I can't wait to see what Puerto Rican Thanksgiving's like, but I'm very excited about it. But we're going to have a good time. He's a great friend of mine. I think a lot of people in sports say, no, we're super tight. We're like brothers, but that doesn't transcend to outside yeah. of the game. Adam Winterite's going to spend Puerto Rican Thanksgiving with Yachty and his family. They really are brothers. They're always going to be linked forever. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. They've been here forever. They've had so many memorable moments together. And it's not like you're talking about a first baseman and the left fielder. This is the guys that are the battery mates that have done it 300 plus times. And um, yeah, that's cool. That's neat. And, and you know, Adam is... A kind of guy that likes to get out and experience things yeah. and, and Yachty. I got to wonder what uh, the days are like for Yachty. You know, I don't see him much when we were traveling and hopefully we get back to that next year. Yeah, you, know, you might see him occasionally at the team hotel, but I, I would imagine he just he's getting his rest, man. He's coming and gets to the ballpark early and doing his studying. And, you know, Wayno's out playing golf every once in a while. You know, it's a different way to, to skin a cat, right? Yeah. They've got different uh, roles with the team, but to the greater point that they will always, always be linked forever. And it would just, just wouldn't be right when the Cardinal Hall of Fame and they're both going in that they wouldn't be together on that particular stage too. Now, I guess it would depend if they both go out in the same year. Um, the rules are, I think you have to be three years retired from baseball and five or more years uh, with the organization in some capacity, unless you're an owner pick. But uh wouldn't seem right if you had those two guys going in in separate years. But maybe it'd be cool, too, because then they get their own due and they're just due separately from each other. So we'll see. I wonder if they would want it separate from one another. I you know, thought about that. Because they're going to talk about each other so much when they give a speech because they are so linked together. Well, I've thought about that. If you brought pool holes back. Right. You know, yeah. so much of the focal points of what we look at would be Albert Pujols. And I understand why and a historic figure in Cardinals history. But the other two guys have been here and stayed here. And does it take away from them? I don't know. Good. We'll see. We'll see. But very cool that Yachty and Wayne are going to spend Thanksgiving together this season. So what do you eat in Puerto Rico on Thanksgiving? Do you know? You know what? Well, we got to get Adam Wayne right on the phone and we got to ask him yeah. about that because I want to hear all about that. I bet the Molina family is so fun. Oh, I can yeah. see it being such a vibrant and lively day. I, I can see Adam Wainwright just cracking jokes with his family there, having a great time. What do you guys do for Thanksgiving? Turkey? The normal stuff? No, we do ham. Okay, you're doing ham? No, I'm kidding. Does anyone not do turkey on Thanksgiving? Isn't I know some people point? that don't. Oh, vegetarian? No, they just they just don't do turkey. Oh, what do they do? I don't know if that's like a... Maybe the text line can help me here, but they do ham or they oh, might wow. do okay. uh, like brisket or something like that. Some yeah, different no centerpiece? Yeah. Interesting. Or oh. they do like... Uh, um, what's a really fine... Like sirloin or whatever the... Oh. Come on, help me out here. You're, Steak? Yeah, but what's fillet? really... Fillet? Yeah, fillet, and then they slice it real thinly, and you know you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, um, where you get a little au jus in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a roast that, beef? 
It's kind of like that, except <laughs> higher end. Okay, okay. okay. I was uh, going to say, on my mom's side, we do turkey, ham, and pot roast, because my stepdad likes pot roast. Oh, just so. a specialty. Yes, yeah, so it all up. Prime rib. Thank you. The text line just helped me out, and there are some people that say they eat seafood on the big holidays. Really? You know, Italians on Christmas Eve, we do seafood. Okay. Feast of the Seven Fishes, pesce. So okay. we do like a, a big tutamare pasta on Christmas Eve. I just give me turkey. Yeah. And just keep it coming. Are you dark meat or a light meat guy? Whatever. I'm the same way. Bring it on. Except I don't like gravy. This is well documented on the show. I know I'm weird. You're not well, you're not getting the right gravy then. That's what people have said. That's what people have said. My mom makes this stuffing that is like been passed down from my grandma. It's so good. And I asked my wife, I, I said, because I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it properly. My wife's a great cook. And I said, hey, would you learn how to do this from my mom? You know, so when she, God forbid this happens, but when she goes, you know, we, we can continue to make it like my mom makes it. Yeah. And she's so she went and looked and, you know, watched her and learned it. She goes, yeah, it's real simple. It's like eight sticks of butter in this thing. <laughs> That's why it tastes so good. I was like, yeah, it does taste really good, though. So, so I love it. In our family, uh, it was my grandma's sauce recipe, her, her, you know, tomato sauce recipe that was passed down. And she would never write down the recipe for fear that someone would steal it. And so one year she had all of us girls over, all girls on my dad's side over, and she taught us how to make it. And here's how she taught us. Throw some of this in there, taste it. Then you're going to add some of this, add some of that, stir it, taste it. Yeah. Nothing was written down. No. There were no <laughs> measurements. And the sci- the science behind it was to taste it. I'm like, Grandma, this is not helping us at all. So we've tried to recreate it, but to no avail. I like this one. I'm a vegetarian, and none of my aunts or uncles or parents that make Thanksgiving could care less turkey day. So turkey day for everybody. There you go. There you go. That's right. You're stuck. All right. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to get you set for the Danny Mac Show with BK. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Before we get you set for the Danny Mac show with BK... We just got a great text message. Really breaking news. Do we have the breaking news sounder? Yeah, we should get it. We should get it ready. We'll stall here while Emily pulls that up because it really is breaking news. Breaking news concerning 101 ESPN. Let's see. We're waiting for it. The the suspense is killing me. 101 ESPN. Breaking news alert. We have a new teammate here at 101 ESPN, a new team member, Lincoln Michael Stalter. Link was born... Anthony Stalter and his lovely wife, Kristen, adding to their family. Link joins big brother Killian and big sister Maddie. Mom and baby are doing great. He was born yesterday. He weighs in at 8 pounds, 12 ounces. And Anthony says he's going to be a future pitcher, defenseman, or safety, depending on which fast lane member gets to him first. So congratulations to the Stalter family on their beautiful new addition. We have photos of baby Link. He's an absolute doll. Awesome. Congratulations, Anthony, and to everybody in the Stalter family. That's great. It is. Three kids now for Anthony. So what is that, three, and the oldest is, what, six or seven, maybe? I think she's a little younger than that. Yeah, maybe, maybe like three under five, five yeah, something like that. It's a lot, though. Good luck, Anthony. <laughs> Dan knows firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yeah. your time off, bud. Yeah. Oh, well, paternity leave is going to be awfully nice. It flies by, though, doesn't it? It does. It's it's crazy. Um, I, never, I never had paternity leave. I just always was working, but... Um, 
yeah, the nights kind of fly by. You know, you get to sleepless nights. It's, that's what happens. Up every few hours. Yeah. Yeah, somebody's crying, somebody's upset, somebody needs a little bottle action, <laughs> get the dirty diaper action. You know, it's all good. Just get in, get, you got to get your hands dirty, literally. That's how yeah. it works. Yeah. What are they, Emily? You, you, you said you wanted to have a family. You, you're looking at me like, oh, my God. Not like, right now. Well, I mean, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. They will Not undoubtedly right now, get dirty. Yeah. You ever change a diaper? No. Really? Never. Wow. You change a diaper? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. One it's, of my friends is having a, lot a baby of fun. in January, December, January, kind of right at the end. Uh-huh. So maybe then we'll see. Yeah. Did you just say it was a lot of fun to change oh, it's, a diaper? It's, it's as good a time as you're ever going to have. It really is. You know, I've done it, and I don't share that sentiment. Me neither. <laughs> just trying to make any uh, of the parents out there or soon-to-be parents um, you know, excited about that next change of life. And it's a big change. When that baby comes and uh, all of a sudden you're changing some uh, poop. But compared to the love and joy that you get from your new addition, changing a diaper, not so bad. Well, yeah, there's there's some love and joy and there's some, um, I'm pretty frustrated moments too. Like when my son was first born and I maybe this was a, a sign of things to come, he peed all over me. As I was, <laughs> yeah, the doctor's like, okay, hold the kid. I was like, all right, I'm holding the kid and he's right on me. Yeah, peed right on me. He said, what's up, Dad? Yeah. This is how it's going to be. This is how I roll. <laughs> I'm, I'm marking my territory. <laughs> wow. Okay, Dan, well, you know what we're going to ask you. What's coming up on the show? It's you and BK. Oh, yeah. Dave uh, Schoenfeld, he is from ESPN, great baseball writer, so we'll talk it over with him. BK's out at Centene. Obviously, the Blues will, I would assume, not skate today and enjoy a uh, day off on the West Coast. So uh, those guys are, though, over at Centene, and uh, BK will join us there, and we'll catch up with uh, Brandon Kylie. I look forward to listening to your interview because I want to hear what he has to say about the free agent options for the Cardinals. It's a lot. I mean, you you guys came up with this list, and um, let me see if I can find Oh, there it is. Here's just some of the names that are going to be out there. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Chris Bryant, Max Scherzer, Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, Robbie Ray, Javi Baez, Freddie Freeman, Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman. I like that one, by the way, mm-hmm. if there's a fit. Starling Marte, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, Carlos Rodon, uh, Noah Syndergaard. We had Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Clayton Kershaw, J.D. Uh, Martinez, Michael Conforto. That might be a, a fit, too. Could get him cheap. Brandon Belt, uh, Chris Taylor, Anthony Rizzo, Nelson Cruz, Ricelli Glacius, Alex Cobb, Anthony DiSlafani, Avi Sale Garcia, John Gray, Kenley Jansen, Eduardo Rodriguez, and a few others that I haven't mentioned. But those are some of the big names that are out there right now to be had by any available team. A lot of star power there and a lot of names that could be a fit for the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different directions they could go and we'll see how they want to spend that money. And as we found out yesterday, officially, Martinez and uh, Matt Carpenter, the options weren't picked up. So they are free agents. That money comes off the books and, you know, they can do some damage if they want to. We'll see what uh, direction they go. I'll be very intrigued to see where both of them land, especially Carlos Martinez. I'm very intrigued to see what happens with him next. He needs to reestablish himself, mm-hmm. and somebody could get a, as we all have seen here, a highly talented player, highly talented pitcher when focused and uh, in a variety of roles, closer, relief, starter. Um, he's going to get a deal, and it just uh, we'll see where he goes. And I don't think anybody's going to go long term with him, but it'll be a chance for him to reestablish uh, his health and the kind of pitcher that he has been in St. Louis.
Dan, thanks so much for hanging out with us you today and yesterday, especially on a quick turnaround. We no appreciate problem. you. Happy to do it. Great work, as always, from Emily Butcher. Thanks so much, Emily. Thanks. You as well. And I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker will be back in studio with us on Monday morning. But coming up next, it's the Danny Mac Show with BK. You don't want to miss it. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to make car care make sense. With personalized service reviews that swap the car talk for straight talk. So you know what your car is telling you and what to do about it. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care? That's a job for Jiffy.